Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. The attack on all your senses from minute one. It was incredible. Don't just hand over this life. Educate yourself. I welcome anything that will help to protect the children further. You know. The same speed we get from them. Very little respect. Can we just talk? Call 0818 969696. 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. Ah, uh, yeah. I'm here. Don't worry. Don't worry. Ah, uh, good morning. 0818 96 96 96. We're nearly used to it as our new number now. 0818 96 96 96. Lots to talk about today, as you can imagine. We'll be focusing a lot on the tragic fallout from the murder of Ashling Murphy last week and that investigation ongoing. Uh, and lots more besides, but see some good news. This is a story we began talking about. Oh, God, it's nearly a year ago now. We began talking about the possibility of a Lido or Lido, call it what you will, on the River Lee. Basically a massive open-air swimming pool with all the usual facilities that go with that. A bit like the Lee Bats for a new era. And now there's a, a feasibility study to be done as to where we might actually put it and how much it would actually cost. So it has moved on from just a, a pie in the sky that somebody was dreaming about to an actual idea. And from an idea, you could go to a plan. <clears throat> and I want you to think about it. Now, on a cold winter's morning like this, the prospect of jumping into an, over, an open air swimming pool, no thank you very much indeed, sir. But in the summertime, if we had a lovely, new, shiny, open-air swimming pool in Cork, somewhere along the River Lee, where would you like it to be? Where would you like to see it? And do we need it for a start? 
Okay, I mean, we have to be paid for, and probably some public money spent on it. But we could spend money on worse, you might say. Where would you like to see it? I have a particular place myself. I'll tell you where I, where I think it'd be brilliant. Uh, really lovely. Fab- fabulous place. Uh, I think it'd be great. I'm thinking about this a lot since we first talked about it. As I said, practically a year ago now. Where would I like to see it? And I happened to be down in this place one day, just having coffee with a friend. And I thought, yeah, here's your Lido. I'll tell you what that is, or where that is, rather, a bit later on in the morning. But first to the uh, to the events of the weekend and the events of last week and the events that has left us, left us I think, still as a nation reeling, utterly reeling from what happened to that misfortunate young woman. Ashley Murphy in Tullamore. Now, the investigation is ongoing. Gardaí have invest, are identified another suspect and they're getting all their ducks in a row and hope to interview the, that individual sometimes today or tomorrow. But it's, the whole country has been convulsed with what can we do to stop this? How do we stop these things from happening? How can we make our places and our spaces and our walkways and our amenities safer for women. Because let's face it, lads, it's women who are the victims here. How can we make our places and our spaces safer? One of them, one way we might do it, is better lighting in public areas. Anne-Marie Gaynor. Anne-Marie, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good to speak with you. Now, this comes from very personal experience. I'm not too sure how much you can tell me about that because it's under investigation. But you've been thinking about it a lot. I have um, I did a recent incident um, with myself. It's it's very mild compared to things that have been in the media at the moment. But um, it was just coming out of Aldi and somebody trying to mug me. Um, I think the thing I noticed straight away was the lack of lighting in the whole car park and all that kind of thing. Um, um, definitely, it was it was it was scary. It was definitely scary. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. When you think about public spaces like, say, an Aldi car park, it, it very much depends on where it is. You wonder in the planning laws, when they're getting permission for a development, not just Aldi, but anybody, how much yeah. obligation is upon them to provide public lighting? I think what the problem or was, I've, I put it up on my page anyway, I'm on the Irish Budget Mammy page, and I asked different people, did they notice there was less lighting in towns? And it's something to do with energy-saving bulbs. They're not as bright as the older bulbs. So that's why it feels like there's a lot less lighting around car parks and streets and different places like that. Yeah, although the new modern LED, LED bulbs are very bright. Yes. On the street yeah, lights. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, it's yeah. There's and I, I I kind of put it out there and asked what what people felt was kind of like important factors that they felt would make them feel safer, especially women, and was kind of more guarded presence. And one of the things was feeling more comfortable being able to report crimes like this to the guards act because there were quite they, they often a lot of women said that they wouldn't actually go and report it. Yeah, I wonder why that is. Do you think? Um, it's it's the fear of having to see the the. The person that attacked them again. It's because if it could be called to court, you could be asked to go and give witness, and you would have to come face to face with your attacker. So that it is quite off-putting. Yeah. For many women, yeah. Yeah, that if you're going to see this through, and you're going to see this person punished, you're going to have to see them again. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And like, do you think that people, women, don't feel supported through that process? Maybe. 
Um, I felt that when I was I was talking to different women over the weekend, I felt that they didn't feel supported. Now I did. I felt completely very very support supported by the the guardy in all of my kind of talking to them about my incident. But um, um, a lot of them said that they just they just didn't want to see the, the attacker again. That was a big one. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. I remember talking to, and it's, again, it's another very, every every case is different, but whether it's a major or a minor case, it's that person's case. I remember talking to Una Ring last year after yeah. the guy who stalked her was jailed, and, and she could not say enough for the guards. That the yes. minute she went yeah. to see them, she, she couldn't say enough for them, you know? And yes. I think most people are afraid of a reaction that might not even be there. And that's that's a kind of a, something else that we need to tackle, isn't it? Yeah, that's why I quite openly spoke about um, my, myself and I said what happened and um, I said that that the guards were dealing with it and that I felt com- comfortable and all that kind of thing, just kind of so that more women will come and report crimes like this because it really needs to be reported for anything to be done about it because I think I, I definitely got the feeling there's a lot of things happening that people don't actually report. Yes, yes. Do, yeah. you, do you think, Anne-Marie, that women who have been through something like this would prefer to report it to a female Garda? Um, well, I did. Um, yeah. I, they give me, yeah, so I, I don't know if, if they normally get a male Garda or I, I, I'm presuming they got a female Garda. I guess, yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think that, do you think that sometimes, I mean, look, I, and again, I'm only thinking out like if, if if a woman has been frightened or attacked or intimidated by a man, that it might be sometimes that the prospect of telling that story to another male can be off-putting in itself, maybe. Yes, definitely. I definitely think that could be a big factor in it. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, even Um, talking to people like the Sexual Violence Centre, you know, that Mary Crilly would often tell you, like, that for for everything that crosses her desk, there's a hundred cases that never will because the, the, the people just don't talk about it. Yes, yeah, and I think that's um, something we need to kind of change in our culture is that we do report crimes, we do talk about them, and um, we do kind of go, go through with the whole kind of thing because if we keep letting things slip, nothing can kind of be fixed, you know, that kind of way because there's, there's no backup. Yeah, yeah. And I know that what happened to you is still under investigation, so we're staying away from the detail of it. But, for example, when, when did it happen and have you been afraid to go out since? Um, it happened on Thursday night. Actually, I dropped my son to football training right. and um, I said, right, I'll go and do the shopping in Aldi. I have my 10-year-old girl with me okay. and she's been quite frightened. Um, I haven't actually gone out at night since. Um, um, I'm, a, I'm a psychiatric nurse, so I'm trained in non-violent intervention. So basically, I had kind of the tools kind of to to intervene myself um, I de- most most people wouldn't so I definitely think that's something that should be brought into secondary schools because mm. there are ways that you can actually get out of a hold without being violent but just kind of breaking the other person's hold and even if you're a very small person and the person's quite big there are different moves that can get you out of that mm-hmm. but um um, as like, yeah, I definitely I don't think I'd be going shopping again at eight, at eight o'clock at night. Really, <laughs> that's what I was hoping. That that's yeah, what I was yeah. wondering. Would you would you go like that? You wouldn't you wouldn't go no. shopping in a dark on a dark evening again. No, and definitely um, 
even though I have done this for years and years and years, ever since the children have been small, um, because it was a time I could go on my own and yeah. not have to drag kids around the supermarket. Now I don't feel safe because it was directly outside the supermarket door. I wasn't even in the car park yet. I was oh, still just, right. yeah, yeah. Okay. So I did that, was Yeah. All right, because I got the impression initially listening to you, because as I said, my my local Aldi has has a huge car park, and and there would yes. be dark corners in it, so it wasn't yes. like that. This was literally next no, to the shop, outside the door. Yeah, oh. this is outside the door, and even where I parked the car was as close as as I could go without going into a wheelchair spot. So it was, um, you know, I was I'm quite vigilant, and I would be, you know, risk assessing kind of the area myself. With, yeah, you'd be trained uh, as already. a psychiatric nurse, wouldn't you, to watch for stuff? Yes. Too. So I clo- I parked as close as I could to, to the supermarket, but it was literally after the the attacker looked around and went, "There's no lights. How are we going to get to my car?" It's only even though it was only a few a few meters away from the door, I was still like, "Oh, it was," you know, it was the shock of the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, because I, I do notice it. Myself and I, lo- and I love to pop to the shops of an evening, and they're just yeah. quieter. I, I do, so quiet, yeah. I do notice it that in the evening time now, when it's so dark, people just don't park in the darker end of the car park. And I was taking, yes. I was taking no notice of this at all because I'll go. In, I, I'm lazy. I'll go into the closest space to the door. That's just because I'm lazy. To <laughs> be honest yes. with you, but I was thinking maybe that is why so many people stay so close to the door because. That's where the better lighting is. Yes, it is. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. I guess guess that's, and again, this is kind of, I suppose, my privilege as a man. I don't need to think about these things for the most part. Yeah. I don't need to worry about it. And that's what I've been thinking myself over the weekend a lot as I was processing this. Like, I am so lucky to be able to go out and walk or cycle or take my dog out or go shopping and never for the most part at least, never have to worry about these things. And it was yeah. only how how lucky I am to be that way. Kind of dawned on me over the weekend when all the people that I was knowing, you know, everyone's got a flipping story. Yes. Everybody's got a story. And that's, I think, Anne-Marie, and through your own uh, online work with the Irish Budgeting Mama and your own discussions, so, have you noticed that since since the tragedy of what happened last week? Everyone has Absolutely. a story. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and literally, and that, that that's the, the really strange part. I was walking around the supermarket and I heard people talking about the tragedy and how terrible it was. And, you know, women can't go out in the daylight, you know. And I remember I was kind of, it was kind of eerie because I was listening going, this is just so sad. It's just so awful what's after happening. Walk out the door and whatever happened to me, it's miles, completely miles compared to anything else. But um, it was literally, I was like, this is it just, what, what, what is the country coming to that we can't go out yeah. at eight o'clock and do our shopping without, our, you know, without little kids, you know, that when it's quiet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a thing as well, you know, that people sort of, dis- ah, what happened to me is nothing. I, I don't buy that. What happened to you? Yeah. Happened to you. <laughs> it doesn't yes, matter. Yeah, what, ha- yeah. what happened to you happened to you. It's, it, I think sometimes in sociology, I think it's sociology. They call it the my sore finger argument. You know, my yes. sore finger is my sore finger. And yes. and and to me it's the, it's the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And yes. Do you think do you think Anne Marie we 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 should take this opportunity for people to or to say to people come forward and tell us what happened to you because the more we know the more we can do to help. 
Yes, I, I do. And I got so many people messaging me over the past couple of days telling me these terrible things happened to them. And it's, it's just awful that we have to like live like that. Do you know what I mean? That these things are happening, but they're not being discussed enough, I feel. Yeah, because people just they 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 shrug their shoulders and they move on and they think they're they think yes. they're lucky stars they weren't injured or worse. Or I even think. like me saying it's not it's nothing happened. It's, you know, people a lot of people go um they just wanted to forget about it. If yeah. I don't report it, if I don't talk about it, it didn't happen. That yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The reality, the reality is, it did, and it has had a. It yes. has a, I mean, okay, you, you used your psychiatric nurse training to get yourself out of it, and that's great. You were able to do that. Think of someone who wouldn't have been able to do that. But also, you it's left you, if you like, with this little mental scar now. You won't go shopping of an evening anymore. No, I don't know. I, I actually can't see myself going comfortably. I'm a, I probably eventually will kind of kind of push myself a little bit to, yeah. to do it. But because I've always done it, like I, I'm years and years going evening shopping because ever since the supermarkets are open late, it was it's a great time to go when there's nobody about yeah. and it's relaxed and Oh, trust and me, you're you're talking no to kindred yeah. here. I love it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But um, no, it, it's, it has left me thinking twice about going out in the dark. And yeah. yeah. Okay. Listen, look after yourself, uh, Anne Marie. Thanks very much. That's Anne Marie Gaynor, Irish budgeting mammy. Uh, she's also a psychiatric nurse. And the basics of what happened to her tacked very recently in the car park of Analdi as she was making her way back to the car. Uh, the lighting wasn't great. But now she says, well, that was one of her pleasures in life, one of her simple pleasures in life was to go do a bit of shopping in the evening time. That's gone for now because she can't see herself doing it anymore. And I have noticed that. And everyone I've talked to or everyone I've been reading about or every program I've been listening to, everybody has a story. It could be small. It could seem so inconsequential. But it's a story and it's there. And too many people, too many women, too many women have stories to tell. That's what I figured out. For, God, Ginny, I figured it out for myself over the weekend. Too many women have stories to tell. And that we have a serious societal problem with so many women having stories to tell. 0818 96 96 96. John in Cove says the guy that did that, this is Ashling, should be thrown to the crowd. Unfortunately, people in the establishment will work hard to ensure he's well looked after and the circumstances of his life are taken into account for leniency. She should be making kids happy and education this morning instead of preparing for her grave at 23 years of age. You are so right. You are so right. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie The Two Grand Minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. Answer 10 questions to claim all that cash. Stacking up the cash. Cash! Cash! The Two Grand Minute. On Casey and Ross in the morning. Cork's 96FM. Front page of the Echo today has a picture that I think captures it all. And the pictures and the videos that were going around of the gathering at the Marine... Now, there were dozens of them up and down the country and around the world. A herd of gatherings in Brisbane and gatherings in London 
and gatherings in New York in memory and walking for Ashling. Um, but this one down at the marina Saturday morning, I think we were, was we talking to, yes, we were talking to the organisers here on Friday. Her name's gone out of my head now. Apologies for that. Was it Sharon? I think it was. And they were expecting a decent crowd, but they got an enormous crowd on Saturday morning down at the marina and the Atlantic Pond uh, when they walked. And the front page of the Echo has a, a lovely photograph, beautiful photograph of Ashling. What an incredibly gorgeous smile she had. She was just, she looked like such a fun-loving girl. She really did look lovely. And there she is smiling out from the paper and it's very hard to get into your head. She's now dead. She's dead because of what some guy did to her last Wednesday. And all these people, and that's just one tiny section of the crowd, all these people turned out on Saturday morning, united for her. Katie... Uh, went down from the newsroom, went down to sample the the, the feeling at the at the uh, the marina on Saturday. I mean, it's great to see so many people out and coming to for the walk and for the vigil and like showing support for obviously such a random horrible event. Like, I think that's what shook everybody is how random it is and just how it could have been anyone you know. You know, things bad things happen and you know you might read about it in the news and then it's kind of gone but this I think because it's like so striking it's so like it's our age group it's mm-hmm. just a young woman going for a run after work there was no extenuating factors or anything yeah. it was completely random it like really strikes home at how like vulnerable we all are all the time mm-hmm. which is not something you should feel it's not something that we any of us should have to feel I think this has touched everybody and um, I think we just look at home at our sisters at our friends at our mams um, and at the, at the women that we don't know it's just dreadful it shows that something really needs to be done to combat gender-based violence I think and it shows that everyone you know men and women are here together to say they're ready to fight it so everyone has had that fear when they're walking like and it's getting dark or you know you're coming back from night out and you're on your own and you feel that fear but four o'clock in the day I would have really never felt that fear unless there was something strange so to have something like this happen is absolutely massive. But I do think there's a role for all men in particular um, to, to take the leadership role in this. Um, I have my nephew here today, he's 12, and, and I think it's important young men of, of that age uh, understand um, what we need to do to stop this happening. Well, I mean, unfortunately, I don't even know if Ashley will be the last. Like, it's, so hard. it's such a horrible thing that we're dealing with at the moment, but like, hopefully for her sake, for her memory and her sake, like it, the story will cause a conversation to start like with men and with boys in schools and, you know, making an actual change. Yeah, it was Susan organised that that uh, that event by the by the marina. And that's just a sample of the people that Katie met. A huge crowd. I think Fiona was down there as well Saturday morning. Huge crowd down there. There were other events happening online uh, all over the place. And Evie Nevin was organising one of these online vigils for Ashling. And and Evie <sighs> It was you. You were invaded by by some filthy pervert. What happened? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm still kind of reeling from it. Uh, to be honest, it just to say though that this is not. This is nothing new for women. We get unsolicited stuff like this all of the time. But it was still incredibly shocking that somebody would do this in a space where we're grieving. Um, 
this is a vigil for a dead woman. Um, so what happened while we all logged on and the speakers were all um, doing their bit and then um, we noticed a name of one of the panellists. Like We saw her on screen and then we saw her name again um, and there was just a blank screen and I was like, hey, what's that about? Was it a bit of a glitch or whatever? And then the camera turned on and his member was uh, on camera. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was, I I just couldn't believe it that that somebody would... Exposing themselves into the Zoom. Yeah. Yeah. They had, well, what it looks like is they had hijacked their way in through an account being used by one of the panellists. Yeah, so uh, when you sign up for, like, a webinar, you know, uh, you'll get your email with the link to join. And uh, this person used um, one of the panelists' links. It was a human error. You know, the wrong link went up. Um, regardless of human error, it was absolutely nobody's fault but this man's. Um, and uh, it was just it, such an invasion. And it just, like, there are no words to describe how disgusted and violated that we all feel. Yeah. Um, and this is the reality for women in this country. And it, 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 our point was absolutely proven last night that we're not safe anywhere. Yeah. We're not safe in our homes. We're not safe on the street. We're not safe in our cars. We're not safe online. We're not safe anywhere. Yeah, there was some you know, some difference in the account. Of, no, I, I don't actually think it matters. But there was some some difference in the account of what happened. There, whether it was the guy showing himself off, or that he was running a, a porn video into There's the nothing to indicate. Yeah, yeah. no. I, I, I spoke with the examiner last night to, to clear that up. There's nothing to indicate that this was a recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 because I, I was reading various accounts of it online last night and I forgot to yeah. mention that. Um, it doesn't matter, of course, but like, what kind, and I'm going to use the what kind of an asshole Mm-hmm. Does that? Like that's a weapons grade gobshite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was it was almost like do you know what it was you could almost hear him going, Haha, look what I'm doing. What are you gonna do about it? You know, um, this is what I think of your vigil and this is what you know, and um If you were you recording you know, it, the event. Were we recording the event? Yeah. No reason. No, because I think I honestly think you should tell the guards about this. Or have you done? Oh no, we're 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 uh, the all the panelists and the organisers. Um, we're all going to our local guard stations today to report it. Um, because we it can be, while shockingly we don't have a cyber flashing law here in Ireland. Mm. and no laws against stalking either, by the way, which is now something that uh, what this man has not realised is that he has now united all of us yeah. to, to get this, uh, to end this type of cyber flashing. But he could be charged under um, Section 45 of uh, the Sexual Offences Act. Mm. So um, okay. we're hoping now that Finding Zoom... Finding him, Finding Zoom, him, yeah. Yeah, it'll be helped through Zoom and obviously we'd hope that the Gerdi do take this seriously um, as well because an awful lot of the time this is kind of 
often yeah. scoffed at. Here's, um, the, here's the thing, Evie, you know? right? If you were having this event in a public place with all mm-hmm. of you in a room or even in a, an open space and some guy mm-hmm. arrived up to and, and did that in a public place, he could be mm-hmm. arrested. Mm-hmm. But doing yep. it online... You, you yeah, were, there's no I specific you, law Fiona for it. Telling, Fiona yeah. was telling me you were very upset initially. You're you're telling me the story now, but you were very upset initially. I think. Oh, um, I was shaking. I I was shaking for several of our. I was crying, not with sad. Well, I was sad too. I was sad for for Ashling and her family, and that's what I kept thinking about all last night. It took me so long to go to sleep because I was saying that poor family has been through enough pain. And now they're going to get wind that somebody disrespected their daughter's memory like that, and it's just like it's it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable, and it's not at the same time, you know. Um, and this is exactly why I set it up as a web- webinar rather than, um, you know, a full participation thing because I wanted to make sure that no trolls were coming in. But by God, I never expected someone to come in and do that. Yeah, you know, and and that it took a certain just, amount of intent. Because they had to identify yes. the event, they had to use their IT skills to break into it, and mm-hmm. they yeah. had to know who was involved. So that took yeah. it, it, like that took a certain amount of planning. That's hard. That was that's even harder to listen to. I know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the whole situation is just it's vile. It's absolutely, and I have to pay. Uh, you know, give credit to the women who are panelists who were in the middle of their speeches talking about, um, you know, how we need to teach our young men and our boys, you know, not to behave in this kind of way. <laughs> and just as she was saying that, this happened. And it just proved our point. It absolutely proved our point. Um, but I have to, you know, give credit to them because they kept going. They were, you know, they said, we're not going to let this guy uh, ruin what was you know, up until that point, really, really beautiful vigil. We had some of the most amazing speakers. We had a really diverse range of uh, women. We had music, we had poetry, we had speeches. It was just beautiful. And um, for now, the narrative to be around this man um, instead of what was a beautiful tribute to Ashling and all the other 243 women who have been murdered in this country since 1996 is just, well, yeah, it's you know, beyond words. What I'd say to Evie, take, the, take that from it, take the beauty of that from it and, and let the authorities mm-hmm. deal with, with weapons-grade idiot, you know? Yeah, well, hopefully, they do really hope they do take it seriously because it can be very, very difficult to have these kind of things taken seriously. But I think with the nature and with the murder murder investigation and stuff underway, I think they really do have to take it seriously. All right. All right. Um, yeah. Okay, Evie, thank you. And uh, that's that's an awful thing to happen. That's Evie Nevin. 0818. 969696. Hi PJ. Says I just heard you say it was your privilege being a man. This is what I said that I can go shopping at night and I can walk across a car park and know full well that I'm quite safe in, in doing so. And you know, for as we just heard from from um Anne Marie earlier on, she doesn't feel safe doing it anymore now. And that's kind of my privilege to know I, I don't have to worry about these things just because I am a man. Um, and and I I think I think I've kind of had a watershed in my mind 
over the few days gone by that I don't have to worry about these things. Where all the women around me, my wife, my daughter, my female friends, my female colleagues, my relatives, I don't have to worry about this. They have it constantly, maybe very faintly, but constantly in the back of their minds. But I'd add to that, it was your privilege of being a straight man. Fear is still very much there of being queer bashed for gay men as well. More lighting is needed, but we also need more Gardaí on the beat too in certain areas. That might reassure people. I warn my children about when things get back to normal, be extremely vigilant of biking or who or what is around them. Unfortunately, any person who isn't mentally this way inclined with awful thoughts has been watching crap stuff they shouldn't be watching on televisions and computers. And in my mind, they can't differentiate from reality and from fiction. Their minds are warped from watching porn and crime and they can't differentiate. I want my children to go out and enjoy themselves after being locked down for two years, but I'll continue to collect them whatever time of the day or night. It unfortunately has to be done. And on the the hijacker of the Zoom, this is clearly a schoolboy. If it's not, then it's someone who needs help. Even if it is a schoolboy, it's someone who needs their ass kicked from here to Jabrovia and back. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Cork's 96FM has a shiny new phone number. 0818-969696. Save it to your phone now. 0818-969696. The number you need. Hello? Hello? For Cork's 96FM. I talked last week about the leaving cert and how some, so many of this year's leaving certs want a hybrid exam. And uh, visiting Cork today is the Minister of State as part of education with special responsibility for special education, uh, Minister Josepha Madigan. Minister Madigan, may I address that with you slightly in, in a few minutes' time, but just to, to start with the ongoing story of the day and the week and the weekend, the Ashley Murphy murder, something needs to be done to make our streets and our walkways and our amenities safer for women. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, yes, it's been a really, really difficult week um, for everybody in this country, but in particular, Ashley Murphy's family. Um, we can only just imagine the devastation that they're going through at the moment. And I just hope that it's a catalyst for change um, that we uh, can, as a country, move forward and really now address everything that needs to be addressed from a a protection perspective, from um, from a preventive perspective, from a prosecution perspective. Um, and I think I take comfort in the fact that Hannah McIntyre, our Minister for Justice, uh, is going to be publishing the new strategy uh, on domestic, sexual and gender-based violence uh, in a matter of weeks. Uh, I think in the spring, she's going to be bringing, uh, bringing that to Cabinet. And I hope that, and I expect that within that, there will be a preventative strategy that we can look to the root causes um, as to why this type of violence uh, happens in, in this country. I mean, we know it's not just an Irish problem. It, it happens in other countries as well. And we need to look at it from an EU level as well and the global level. 
But to start in this country, um, we need to address some of the root causes like violent porn and we need to talk about education in schools and universities mm. um, so there's an awful lot of work to be done and it's a collaborative um, it's going to be a collaborative effort I think PJ Like from your own position in the Department of Education can we bring this learning into our schools and, and how early could we do it do you think? Yeah, and I, I know that Norma Foley, um, in certainly in primary schools, um, there is uh, there, there is um, some programs there in relation to talking about this, you know, preventative matters and and violence and consent, um, and also in in secondary schools as well. There, it has gone out to public consultation in secondary schools, which I think is a good thing. We need to constantly review it, make sure it's up to date, make sure it's modernised, um, and something as well that each child can can access and understand at their level. Um, you know, you, you can give too much information too early on uh, to a child and, and they won't grasp it. So it, it's also about our homes. It's not just education. It's, it's going to be across the board, across many different departments. It's, it's our homes as well and having parents to, to have those conversations with boys and with girls um, as to what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, you know, whether that type of locker room banter that goes on, um, you know, that we need to stamp that out and the sort of everyday sexism that happens on a daily basis. So it's multi-pronged uh, yeah. and multi-strand, really. Yeah, yeah. Very sad um, situation it, that we're in at the moment, yeah. You find yourself ca- ca- caught for words rather a lot in the, the last few days, yeah. I think, every one of us, you know. Uh, I- 244 women that have died since 1996 in this country and only 13% are by from a stranger but even 1% is too much um, so you know it, it just has to be addressed now and as I said I hope that this is a catalyst for change and um, things really, really change in this country. Can I turn to the uh, topic of the, the Leaving Cert Minister because last week we spoke to a number of students who were making their case very articulate and passionately for a hybrid exam because of the amount of schooling and school time they've missed and because of how things have been disrupted. So that even if we are fully back to normal in society by the summer, which we'd all love to be, they need the hybrid option to do their Leaving Cert properly. What's your response? And, and I know that this is something that um, many students are calling for. Um, I mean, in full disclosure, PJ, I, I have a son myself doing the Leaving Cert um, and they all have disparate views as to, to what they want and what they don't want. Um, but I, I know that there have, there have been challenges and there has been disruption experienced uh, by Leaving Cert students this year and last year. And there were adjustments that were announced in August uh, for the Leaving Cert this year. And there is more choice on the exam paper and more flexible arrangements for submitting coursework. Uh, yeah. But that is kept under review um, and, ha- and has, has been the case for 2020 and 2021. All planning uh, for the 2022 examinations has to be guided by public health advice and obviously in relation to the well-being of our students. So I think it's important and I know that this is happening, that the department continues to engage with all partners in education um, on, on all matters relating to the Leaving Cert um, and indeed the, the junior cycle as well. Can I ask and you, Minister, and this isn't meant to be a smart question, do you know how many days it is to the start of the Leaving Cert? I, I don't think up my head. Uh, it's 142 I, I, days to the start of the Leaving yeah. Cert, which 
is my way of saying, and certainly the feeling I was getting from the students as I spoke to them last week, to Stacey and to Michael and, and to others who called me. We need to know, and we need to know soon. Because every day yeah. this drags on is a day where our studying is compromised. And they did this, the Irish Second Level Students' Union did a huge survey that said yeah. 68% of those, and there was nearly 41,000 responses, 68% want a blended leaving cert. That's a direct call from the people who'll be sitting down to do the exam on you and your colleagues in government to make it happen. Yeah, and as I said, uh, Peter, the situation is being kept under review. I, I agree that clarity... But how long will review take, Minister? That's the well, point of the, you know, reviews. You know, Minister, the, the wheels of government move very slowly. Yeah, I mean, the Taoiseach said on Friday that the next few weeks there will be clarity um, and uh, Minister Foley obviously is the Minister for Education with responsibility for... He, he also for, said, did he not, that a hybrid wasn't off the table? Um, he said it wasn't off the table, absolutely. Yeah. Um, he said it's not ruled out um, under any circumstances. So, you know, the Taoiseach and Minister Foley and the rest of Cabinet will obviously be looking at this. They will obviously have taken on board what the students are saying. As you said, 68% is, is a high statistic. Um, but, it, you know, it's, it's, it's the well-being of students and whether whether it's appropriate for them or not, or whether it's the right thing to do. Um, and I think the fact that it hasn't been ruled out is a positive mm. uh, matter. And I'm very glad that the right decision... Because one of the reasons given for it not, supposedly not being possible was that there wasn't access to junior cert results, which really isn't true because 70-something percent of students do transition years, so their, their junior cert results are all there to be taken in, do you know? Yeah. They could no, be done. That has to be taken account too. I mean, the, the the main thing, as you say, is that there is clarity on this. Um, and Tishik has said uh, he did say on Friday will be will be within the next few weeks. Um, so that should be hopefully sufficient time for for all the students. Okay. Lastly, it's an ongoing issue we've covered here for many years on the program is the shortage of school spaces in in East Cork. Where are we with with any developments on that, Minister? Yeah, so um, it, it, one of the most important things that I that I have to try to do uh, in terms of special education is get special education school places and special class places. But in terms, from a general perspective, in terms of school places in East Cork, I know Simon Coveney has spoken to me about this and Colin Burke and indeed Jerry Butmer and David Stanton. There are a total of about 467 new places that are going to be coming in. Um, the St. Aloysius College in Carrigatuhill um, so the department has actually approved additional accommodation for that school um, to expand it to about a thousand people. So that's a, that's a, that's a plus of about two hundred eight places. Mm. Um, and then St Mary's High School in Middleton, which is a girls' post primary school, they will have an additional fourteen places. Um, and public school Natrinoida in Yole, um, they will have another two hundred two places. And then in Clochester in Cove is a co-educational school mm. and they have an additional <clears throat> 43 places. And there's also an additional application in from the Christian Brothers Secondary School in Middleton. Mm. When will those places come on stream, do you think? So, well, we hope um, as, as soon as possible. Um, some of them have already been, like the, the pub, Pubble School, Natrino, there has already, uh, the project has been devolved to the school authority for delivery already. Um, so there are uh, also 
projects including the school building programme in Carrigan Community College um, and in Carrigan Community College in Cove and also uh, St. Coleman's Community College in Middleton. And uh, so there's a number of different building projects okay. there as well. A lot of work going on in that area. Okay. And I know you're here today to see some new special education places in Carrigaline and you'll be going to see the North Mon and Carrig Navarre as well. Thanks for being with us on the opinion line, a Minister Josepha Manigan. Thank you. Thank you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Why is the government move so slowly? Yes, the Taoiseach did say at the weekend that the hybrid was not off the table. Uh, yes. This word review, though, it really grinds my gears. Like, review, what are you doing? You, It is 142 days to the Leaving Cert. And the brilliant, the wonderful students that spoke to me on the opinion line last week all said, we need to know, and we need to know soon. And the Irish Second Level Students Union, and I was listening to their president on the radio this morning, outlining why... They want the Department of Education to listen to what students need and what they're the ones sitting the damn exam. And they did a survey, and surveys are only based on the response you get, to be fair. Like every poll is only based on the response you get. But they did a poll, 40,000 individual, 41,000 nearly, individual validated responses from students. 68% of them wanted a blended leaving cert. 68% of them wanted a blended form of Leaving Cert. If that's not a call to action for the government, then what is? Mary, good morning. How would you like to say, Mary? Um, Peter, yeah, I just um, was, you know, on the, in relation to the outpouring um, with regard to um, male violence against women. Yes. And obviously it is the dominant discussion in relation to this particular instance. But like, I think we've all witnessed in society a general upsurge in violence. And, you know, basically it's all based on power, abuse of power of one description or other. You have the Black Lives Matter, the abuse of the police of their power. And, yeah. you know, um, a lot of violence and, you know, kind of, disquiet I suppose in society is based like it is a, a fact that in the in physical terms men have power over women women have power over children children are at the bottom of the the chain if you like you know yes. what I mean and we've seen increase in violence in all those cases and then even within those categories you have men that attack other men you have you know it, it's just abuse of the power they have over another individual yeah. and that happens at every level of our society and yeah. you That's know actually... suddenly going into schools with um, programs around you know you are a man and you could do this to a woman and it's not okay it's actually yeah, that's actually a very thoughtful point that it's about, not okay. it's, it's about attack power. another man it's not okay for you to <laughs> It is about power and, you know, we see it and we talk about, you know, bringing programmes into schools. But we're actually, it, it's quite common in a lot of schools, especially secondary schools, that the first years are separated from the sixth years. Yeah. Or separated from the others until they get used to being in that environment because they've come out of an environment where they have, where they're, they are the top dogs, as if you like, in sixth class. And, you know, they have the power, I suppose, in that school and then they go into an environment where 
there is a significant physical difference between yeah. a sixth year and a first year. And that happens in girls' and boys' schools. And yeah. it's seen as necessary for the schools to do that. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. in a school environment, kids have power over other kids that have nothing to do. And obviously, OK, it, it is an absolute fact that hormones and everything, kick, you know, the difference in hormones do make a difference. And the fact that sexual violence against women is a factor at a different stage. But if the bully, if the recognition of the power you have over another you is brought down to the fact that, no, it is not OK to push that kid in the yard. No, it's not okay to take his lunch. No, it's not. It's That's when it starts. Yeah, that's a and very, like, very thoughtful and, and, point. And, and it's a huge... It all starts with the schoolyard bully. You was, exactly. If you respect yourself, if you, you will respect the way you treat other people as a mark of who you are. And, you know, it is, that is the power. And, you know, girls, I suppose, like in school, especially if there's a a mixed primary school, they're at an equal or if they're not, they're even at a physical advantage over boys for a certain point in their lives. And then when they grow older, that's taken away, you know. And where you're going from, yes. But, and in fairness, if I was a woman out for, a walk or run or anything like that, you would probably be very glad if a man came along if there was somebody harassing you or anything like that because they'd be far more likely to intervene. That's a that's a very valid thought. Thank you very much, Mary. Great call uh, to the opinion line on Cork's ninety six FM. It's about power. It's not about sex, gender. It's about power and the ex- the abuse of power over others. It's worthy of thought. Thanks, Mary. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. You see, everyone's got an angle and a story on this. My 16-year-old daughter went for a run Saturday morning. I felt so sorry for her when she came back. She said she felt very uncomfortable out running. This is really, really awful. And it is awful that she should uh, feel nervous. That simple pleasure of of a run. Dee says, we all met at our new meeting point in Carrigaline. It was quite poignant. A flicker of hope in the flames of many candles. We walked to the beautiful tones of the song, Somewhere Only We Know. Heaven has too many angels. It's unfair. That's a, And that is a beautiful song. That is a really beautiful song. And, and a song that would, I'd say, sounded really poignant in the moment. Thank you for that. We will be talking later about, as I said, this is the very top of the program this morning. It's probably close to a year ago that we started talking about the idea of a Lido or Lido, call it what you will, for Cork. And if you go Google these things, you'll find Lidos and Lidos of the world. Some incredible facilities. I think one in Helsinki, there's one in 
Denmark. They've just brilliant ones. There's a lot of them in the UK. There's a fabulous one in, in Plymouth. And a Lido or a Lido is basically a swimming pool built right on the water or near the ocean or on a river or with all the facilities, an open-air pool. And there's a an idea that we should have one in Cork. We used to have the Lee Bats. They were unfiltered, uncleaned, unheated, probably uninhabitable for most of their life, but they were there. Now they're not. So there's now a feasibility study happening or going to happen on where we might put it, what it might cost, how we might go about doing it. So at least it's gone from being a notion to an idea. And the next is from an idea to a plan. And I'm asking you this morning, we'll be talking about this later on, where might be the best part, the best place? Like Kate says, there's a space of water there by Blackrock Castle beyond the walk. Yes, Kate, that is lovely. That's really nice. The one I'm thinking of is in the same neck of the woods, maybe five or ten minutes walk away. I have. I was down there last year with a friend of mine just for coffee. Everything else was closed. We were having coffee in the open air. And I looked down and I goes, do you know what? There's your Lido. So everyone's got their, their idea of where the Lidos might go. Back to it later, I promise. 0818 96 96 96. Rising rents and surging prices are triggering a collapse in home ownership. That's a headline from the Irish Times, which reports that the Parliamentary Budget Office, which is an arm of government, of course, the Parliamentary Budget Office, says housing in Ireland is severely unaffordable. Well, tell us something that we didn't know. It says, according to the Irish Times, rising rents and surging house prices have triggered a collapse in home ownership rates among adults of prime working age, that's 25 to 54, according to a new report by the office. House prices are six to seven times the average salary, which means that housing is severely unaffordable for many workers. State and bleeding obvious, but there you go. Now, Janet Murphy, uh, from Janet Murphy, uh, Auctioneers in Cove joins me about the collapse in home ownership. And and you say, Joanna, there are a couple of ways to change it, but we need to start with letting people borrow more. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, yeah, so if you look at the types of finance that are available now for the purchaser, so you have the banks where they give for, to first-time buyers normally 3.5% uh, sorry, times their salary whereby then they have to pay a 10% deposit and then for the second time, the homeowner, 20% deposit. This really needs to go to four and a half times the salary. We have now got the cheapest rates available. We have fixed rates up to 30 years. So why can't they now avail of this? So, I mean, that, that would be my question. Yeah, yeah to borrow more money, though. Yeah, but borrow more money at a very low rate. We've never had this in this country. Property prices are going to go up. That's economics. If you look back 60 years ago, you could buy a house for 5000 That house today is worth $1.5 It's just the way it is. But we are now looking at another 7% increase, 5 to 7% increase of property prices this year. We have a huge epidemic amongst the young people today where they can't buy a property. Mm. And, then, and they also can't rent a property. So yeah. where do they go? What do they do? The other problem you have, Joanna, is if you're renting, the chances of you ever being able to afford to buy because of Absolutely. the colossal rents you're paying. 
Yeah, but I mean, I do, to be, and I, I would like to state this, I do I do have a lot of faith in our current Minister for Housing, Dara Brian. I do believe that he is putting a lot of good um, policies in place regarding housing. And I do know for their, their, the government's remit for 2030 is that 33,000 affordable homes and first-time buyer homes and rental homes will be available on the market. But that's not, you know, that's over a span of the next nine to eight years. Yeah. But I do believe the one way, and a lot of people will agree with this, that four and a half times your salary and to avail of the, of the rates that we have at the moment is, would be ideal. Yeah. You also now have the credit unions coming into play where they're providing mortgages because obviously this is because a lot of banks have come out of the Irish market. Yes. We also have the local authorities um, now providing mortgages for first-time buyers of up to 90%, which is excellent. And from the 1st of January 2022, you now have a fresh start policy that the local authority has in, um, has um, put in place. What's which that? Is for the, that is basically for the divorcee, for the person that's coming out of bankruptcy, etc., giving them a fresh start. Now, the divorcee can't have an interest in the family home, has to be starting from scratch. Yeah. But again, that's another really good policy in place, and that's only put into measure, let's say, in January of this year. So that's the, good the, help. the help, the help is there. So, if someone is looking, I mean, okay, let's imagine I've got my money together, I've got access to mortgage funding, I've got my deposit, but I'm still struggling because those houses are just so expensive. What advice okay. would you have for me? Okay, so there's a couple of things. I think that the buyer has to think outside the box. Okay, just because you're from the city doesn't mean to say that you have to buy in the city or just because you're from the likes of Cove that you don't have to buy in Cove or anywhere, right? I think that you have to... Generally, properties in the city are more expensive. Generally, properties in um, like towns like Cove or um, Carrigaline or Middleton, whatever, are cheaper, right? Because, and to be fair, that... You now can see the rejuvenation of these towns and villages regarding um, public transport, broadband, infrastructure. So they're now attracting people to purchase. And this is what I'm saying to the young person today. Who The first house that you buy is not your forever house. It's a five, Look at it as a five or ten um, year project. Mm. Buy something that you have to put a couple of bob into. That, you, that it is then going to mature to something that's going to be worth money in a couple of years. So, you know, you might, if you can't afford a three-bed, get a two-bed. If you can't afford a four-bed, get a three-bed. Yeah. You, know? you see, what puts, what puts particularly younger parents off that, Joanna, is that they're, if you move out a bit, and yeah, you, you can move out and you get the house for, for cheaper, you're moving away from your support network. But that's just life, PJ. And you have, I mean, people, it is cheaper to get a mortgage than rent a house. Yeah. And, and you know, like anyway. the public... And the pop, the public transport system today is excellent. Yeah. If you mean to be thirty minutes away by by public transport to where you need to go to your parents, it's fine. Yeah, you know, there's going to have to be a bit of give and take, and I absolutely get it. I know that people are so upset, but it is what it is. It's, mm. I mean, the property price is going up. End of story. So, if you want to get on the property ladder. That's how you're going to have to go. I mean, that's the route that you're going to have to go. Yeah. And then regarding the rents, I mean, that is just soul destroying. I mean, rent is insane at the moment. Absolutely it, insane. Ab- but, but you know, it's insane for a couple of reasons. One in four houses that I put on the market is from an investor, a small time investor who's getting rid of that investment property because of no longer any benefit for that person to have that property. Yeah. 
So therefore, now you have a shortage of rental accommodation. If I put a property up for rent, I will have 150 to 300 emails come in for that particular property. Horrendous. And in actual fact, a lot of property doesn't even go on the market for rent because you have a waiting list. But what I will say, okay, so you have that section of the rental market and then you have the section of the, of the, the person that can't purchase the house. What I will say that... Um, Technology is evolving within auctioneers, right? And I do know myself that I've even started a database where now people sign up onto my database, put in their, you know, what they're looking for, three bed, two bed, four bed, etc. And I will then go to them with properties that before they come on the market or when they're on the market. Also, social media is a huge thing. You know, auctioneers are all on social media now. I know that I've started that two years ago when the pandemic started. Yes, I know people say, oh, it's for the young people. It's not. You'd be surprised. The older generation are actually getting with it. They're yeah. very much involved. Yeah. You get to see property fast now. If it's on the market, it's straight up there. So there's a lot of channels there that you can get involved in, that you can be a part of, but you really ha- it's a business now. Buying a house is a business. Yeah, there's a lot of work in it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't ever want to have to do it again, Joanna. I, last, I know, I last I know. did it in 2004. I moved from Carrigaline up to Douglas and I say to my missus all the time <laughs> the only place I'm going out of here is in a box I'm not I know. moving again you know I know but you see we can't and I suppose and I know I get that but I suppose like I would have bought something did it up moved it on and then went to my forever home do you know what I mean and I know a lot of people did, did that of my generation mm. and I really would say that to the young people today to get on the property ladder doesn't have to be your forever home. That is absolutely 100% for sure. And there's lo- there, if you keep, if you really look outside your area, you will find something. Yeah. And I also think there's one thing I, I didn't mention there, even regarding the banks, which is important even for people who, who, are, who even have mortgages. And I, I mentioned this, this to you when I spoke to you, is the switching. Yeah. You know, like we all shop around for ASB, we all shop around for our gas or insurance, etc. But we very rarely shop around for our mortgages. So banks are now encouraging this because this will keep the competition high and hopefully keep the rates down. See, it's quite easy to move, because I did it recently, it's quite easy to move your utility supplier. You can do it in an afternoon on a website. Yeah. I imagine yeah. moving your mortgage is a bit more complicated. Well, yes and no. I think that you engage a broker, go to your local bank. Look, they're very helpful, to be honest. You'll have X, Y, and Z to get organised, get it done, send it into them, and they'll sort it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I suppose people just need to, like, it's all very easy for me to say I do this every day of the week, but yeah. buying and selling a house is not an easy process. No. It's a really emotional time for people. Um, for all different a variety of reasons, but I keep, you know, I have young, I have young, young kids, and when my son is twenty-one, he's going to hopefully buy a house in a couple of years, and I will be giving him the same advice that I'm giving this morning. Yeah, you'd like him to be nearby, though, wouldn't you, Joanna? If he could be, well, yeah, thirty minutes is fine. <laughs> you know, it is fine because we're gearing towards more, more towards public transport anyway. So, and I mean, I do think the whole, you see that all these different um, towns and villages being rejuvenated by dereliction, being, you know, buildings now being renovated and yes. new public realms and more, more uh, the metropolitan um, rail system being upgraded, etc. So that's yeah. the reason. Do you know what the fear is, Dawn? And look, you and I both remember the last time housing went this expensive. And you're right when you say we haven't reached pre-bust levels yet. No. But my fear would be, and I remember the bust, and so do you, and we remember 
the arse falling out of everything. We're, we're precariously close to it again. Yes and no. Like, if you look at the figures, there was 42 billion um, in debt and 93,000 houses built back in 06. I think I have that figure correct. We're now 7.2 billion in debt and we have 20,000 houses. Obviously, it doesn't take anyone with a brain to realise there there's a lack of supply. But I do get it. The, the banks, the central bank are being vigilant and so are the governments so that we don't go back to those times. Mm. But it is just economic house prices. You, as, I, as I said to you, 60 years ago, five grand for a house, today at 1.5 million. It's yeah. just house prices go up. But what we do need to get in place is, as I mentioned, with, with the finance availing of the, of the lower interest rates, but we need to come up with a system for the rental market because not, not everybody wants to buy a house. No, no, no. no. Not everybody wants the responsibility of a mortgage or maintaining a property. Mm. A lot of people, you see a lot of the Europeans living, live in apartments, etc. So we need to come up with a system that we have something in place for someone to be able to rent a property. Yeah. So therefore, we need to get more landlords in on the market. I know that they're hoping for mass um, pension funds and big companies to come and buy mass blocks of apartments and housing estates, etc. Yes, that will happen, but we need action now. Yeah. And we need to get the investor back in the market now. You mentioned the interest rates a couple of times. I, I don't know whether you can have this at your fingertips, but Kevin wants to know, what? how do our interest rates here compare? I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones. I got one of the last tracker mortgages, so I'm one of the I lucky ones. I think we're quite high. But how, yeah, how do they compare to the rest of the EU? I don't know exactly, but I know we're high. Yeah. I know that we are probably higher than most European countries. Yeah. Um, so that needs to change. Yeah. But we're certainly, I mean, I don't know, you remember the 80s. My God, it was 18%. When I bought my first house, and I often tell people this, when I bought my first house in the early 90s, I got a fixed rate for five years and I thought I was the luckiest man in Cork. Would you have cared to guess how much I was paying? 18, 20%? Yeah, I got it down to 11.75. Oh, that's okay. I know, but see, exactly, but that is horrendous. And now we're, we're, at, a, we're at a mortgage rate, I think it's, I don't know, the exact rate is a 3% or something like that, right? So, like, that's good, but we, are, we should be able to avail of that rate with more of our salary. And, yeah. you know, the rental, and then I come down to the rental, like, and, I, and I said this to you previously, the average rent in the city is now six, 1400 to 1600 per month. Yes. Cove is definitely twelve to 1400 per month. Yes. Like, how is a single person supposed to afford that? Yes, now that's, that's exactly it. How are they supposed to afford it? They simply can't. Listen, Joanna, it's great. Great to talk to you. Joanna Murphy, uh, auctioneer and state agent in Cove. Um, I wonder what you think about that, where she says, look, you, you're going to have to think outside the box and move. And if it means living 30 minutes away or 30 miles away, then that's what you have to do. That's how it is. This is real life, as it were. Thanks, Joanna. 0818-969696. She also has good time for what the present housing minister has planned for us over the next number of years. And only time. Now, there you go. Is she joking? Public transport system, great. What a joke. Try to get a bus to Coachford or McCroom on a Friday. Not even talking about bank holidays. Yeah, I guess... It, I should have said that. Public transport is great depending on where you are. It's fabulous if you're in Carrigaline. It's it's not quite so good if you're in Cove. It's better, but it's not it's not as good as it might be. Y'all, well, it's a bus, a fairly unreliable bus at that. They took away the trains.
years ago. Middleton, all those places well served by trains, but public transport is improving, but not enough. It's a good point. It's a good point. By the way, I must mention him. He's only a few days old. Is he five or six days old? He's our newest and youngest listener. And there he was over the weekend in his Liverpool kit already. Hello, Fionn, and welcome to the biggest, most dysfunctional and yet happiest family on radio. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Cork's 96FM. Yeah, hi PJ, the build to rent schemes are still being backed by the government. The funds are still allowed to block by multiple units. Now they're moving into country locations. Nobody can compete against this. If our government was serious about fair housing and homelessness, they'd put a stop to it. PJ, can you ask how the person is saving the 20% deposit for their second home? If that lady is saying your first house is a 10-year project, trading up is just as hard as buying the first house. Yeah, as I said, I bought first in the early 90s and bought then second time in 2004. I think both were equally stressful for different reasons. I don't ever particularly want to do it again. Buying a house is very stressful. Uh, very, very stressful indeed. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I can come back to that and anything else. But there was a tweet at the week. I didn't even know, to be honest, that mace was illegal. I guess again, I don't need to know about these things. I didn't even know that mace was illegal or pepper spray was illegal in Ireland. But there was a tweet from Michael Healy Ray. Kerry TD, who said, In light of the tragic murder of Ashton Murphy and the ever-increasing assaults on women in Irish society, I'm calling on the government to open a real debate in legalising the use of mace so women in particular will be able to defend themselves against unprovoked assaults. That tweet uh, provoked an angry reaction from many people, including uh, rugby star Anna Kaplis. Anna, good morning to you. Hi, PJ. How are things? Very good. Why, why, why is Deputy Healy Ray's idea anathema to you? Um, <clears throat> to be honest, I don't. I don't want to kind of waste too much time talking about this idea because it is so ludicrous to me. And as you can see from from the tweet that I sent, I was very angry at it. What I would suggest, um, if people. If, People make time today to actually go and find that tweet um, that Michael Hillary sent and click into um, the quote tweets. So people who have retweeted it like me with their own thoughts. It's actually unbelievable the number of of women mostly and, and there's men obviously in there as well who are saying um, how ridiculous this is! Like you know, this this conversation about constantly putting the, the 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 blame back on the victim. That is exactly like on a very big scale what Michael Healy Ray is suggesting here. That before you go out, when you're you know you're you're lacing up your shoes or you're you're putting on your your gear, you're getting ready to go out the house. You know you can't even find a room for your key. You know you have to carry your key somewhere. Are you supposed to now? strap yourself up with a can of pepper spray just in case. And also, 
I like going out for a run. People enjoy going out for a run. If you're picking up a can of pepper spray every time before you go out, you're reminding yourself, okay, today is the day I could be attacked. Like, there are enough reminders of that anyway, as well as, like, a million other reasons why this is wrong. There is, there, there are just, I would suggest people go and read the quote tweets and really genuinely read it with, you know, believing what people are saying about their, their fear, their anger. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. It's it's really interesting and there are a million different ways that this is wrong and they're almost like they're all covered there. But but I suppose but it is PJ, wrong. Yeah, it yeah. is wrong, Anna, that one has to think like this, or that women have to or anyone. But it is wrong that people have to think like this. But is he making the point I didn't know I didn't even know the pepper spray was, was illegal. But is he making the point that if it were legal that and and more easy to obtain, that it might keep some people safer. Is that what he's saying? I mean, I, I, yeah, but like, it shouldn't be if 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 you if you want to make pepper spray legal, it shouldn't be in response to, you know, what you know, and and it's Ashling Murphy that's at the centre of our thoughts sure, here when we discuss sure. this. Sure. And, you know, let's not overlook that. If she had pepper spray that day, there is no way, there is no, you know, nobody would know if she would still be here with us. That it's It doesn't guarantee safety, number one. Second of all, she, you know, I just think that, you know, someone like Michael Hillary with a platform like that, that the first thing he's gone out to do is suggest let's arm women. Imagine if his first initial real heartfelt response was, you know, and he's from a, a, you know, wonderful like GA area down in Kerry. Let's get into the football clubs. I am, you know, so sorry for the Murphy family. Let's start here in Kerry. Let's get into the football clubs and educate our young and older men. Let's start from what we know here in Kerry, which is football, and let's drive it from there. Imagine if that was his first response. Can you imagine the, how how comforted and happy you would feel? Now, maybe comforted isn't isn't the right word to use, but how hopeful you would feel as a woman in Kerry, in Ireland, that your senior male politician has started at the root of the problem okay here is where to start and if you want to introduce mace for other reasons down the line like you know why don't you equip 
men who feel feared with mace. Like, why are you using women to try and make this If it was legal, anybody who felt afraid could have it, you know? But you're talking about mace as a, you know, when you go to buy mace, do you say, I want to use this for for defending myself. What about the people who want to use mace for attacking people and robbing yeah, their purse yeah, I, or I, worse? Yeah, yeah, yeah you, that, 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 that was one that he completely missed originally, yeah. If, it, if, it's, if but, it's there for the protection, it's also there for attack. Yeah, 100%. Um, and PJ, if, if, if you'll allow me to reflect back on... Um, You've actually been on my mind, PJ. I'll, I'll tell you why. One of the one of the um, last conversations that we had, we've had a few now <laughs> over the last year or so. One of the last um, conversations we had was in response to another tweet that I sent, which was around the time of the Sarah Everard murder, when women were taking to um, Twitter and other online platforms to talk about how unsafe they felt while running. Yeah. Can you imagine the irony of that? That is the last time you know we spoke, yeah. and. I sent a tweet that said, um, you know, I was out for a run in Mallow and a young, a boy, about 14, 15, a teenager, um, looked up at me, saw me from kind of far away, noticed me and then deliberately changed his um, walking line so that he walked into my um, path and I was forced to move up out of the way, like 100% deliberate from this young man. It wasn't violent. It wasn't you know, um, physically harmful. Um, but that's what the conversation was about the last time we spoke. And at the end of that call, um, and we spoke about cat calling and, and things like that, that when you're out for a run and you have to pass, you know, a group of builders that you hold your breath because you're just scared that they'll say something. Not not scared that they're going to attack you, maybe, but scared that they're going to say something. And And your point at the end of that call, PJ, was that, what you said to me was, but but Anna, you know, it, it's wrong and, and, you know, they shouldn't be doing it, but they really, really, they mean no harm. And I said to you, well, actually, no, it, it, it is harmful because, you know, you've made me afraid and, and now now I've, I, I, now I'm, have had a, a, a fearful moment that morning and I have to go about the rest of my day, even though that morning I, I felt um, degraded and, and frightened and, and you were like yeah 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 I, I understand but Anna they mean no harm well that, that lad who tried to intimidate you definitely wanted to send you some kind of a stupid message and it was appalling behaviour sure but also anything even even a, a builder which happens a lot stopping stopping doing his job to stand up and watch you run past even though it's not physical and it's not, you know, it's not violent, it is, and please believe me here, harmful. Okay. I know that they mean no physical harm, but it is harmful because of the the, the frequency with which these things happen and the volume it is contributing to. They're all jigsaw pieces and catalysts in what eventually happens down the line where a man has been has gotten away with this his whole life and eventually he now is feeling that he can get away with causing physical harm. I was telling I was telling this there's a story on Friday about how I kind of I got a, a, a very quick and very gentle education from a friend when we were out for lunch and one of these stories was in the news I can't quite remember which one it was but I said, you know, I said, people get so offended by the, the not all men argument. And I wonder why. And mm. she said to me, look, she said, we've been friends for uh, m- many, many years. I know 
you're never going to hurt or harm me in any way. But when we finish our coffee, I'm going to walk home. Do you think I can say that about every man I see on the way home? No, I can't. I can't. Yeah. And there was an even better one over the weekend. If you're bitten by a dog as a small child, you don't say not all dogs. You are then afraid of every dog you meet because of Mm -hmm. the experience you had as a small child. So there's a learning in it for people like me as well. I finally understand why women are intimidated by the ver- sometimes by the very sight of a man because of the things that happen. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm, you know, really glad that stories like that are resonating with you and like, you know, other like men who absolutely age, I grew, you're right. I, I grew up in I grew up in an Ireland where people took no notice of whistling on building sites. It just they just didn't. Oh yeah. Do you know? No, I I I completely get that, but I think that in 2022, just like you know, just like we did um, with the response to you know Black Lives Matter and 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 the the movement against you know um, racial inequality that we've been you know experiencing over the last few years, like you know, it's not it's not good enough anymore to kind of sit and say, well, I'm not racist, so that's okay. No, you are implored and encouraged to go and talk to talk about this and understand that just because you you know you're, you're you're not a racist doesn't mean that you 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 are excused from being part of the movement to better society and it is time that that happened for Irish women in in Irish society now that it's not just good enough to say well well I would never do that to a woman um and if 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 you allow me I'd like to share um, another another story which might you know resonate with people as well um I was um, out on a weekend in Dingle, um, having a, a brilliant weekend. And my friends like Dingle, such a you know wonderful place to be out. And I was in a pub, and and I saw a, a friend of mine, a, a male friend of mine, across the bar. And I hadn't seen him in ages, so I ran over, gave him a big hug, delighted to see him, gave him a big squeeze. And as I felt someone else come up behind me, <clears throat> and he put his hand up my dress and uh, squeezed my arse in front of his whole group of friends. It was a stag party that they were on, that my friend was also on, and big gang of men standing around, and he has done this in front of all his friends. And I'm also God. clearly friends with, um, you know, someone that he knows as well that's part of this stag party. And I whipped around and I said, probably in slightly more colourful language than this, what are you doing? What are you doing? And like, getting you know quite mad at him and I was shocked and I was disgusted and he wouldn't look at me he was sipping his drink smirking looking around making eye contact with all his friends who were standing back from this and I continued to shout and I continued to shout what are you doing what are you doing like getting so angry at this stage and he would not look at me so I grabbed his shirt to try and get him to look at me and his friends step in and push me away relax love calm down love um what what are you doing like now physically pushing me away and 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 shouting at me i turned to my friend and he's like just leave it just leave it and i just leave it just leave it and i am getting more and more angry at my friend at the at his friends at this guy who is smiling at all this kicking off and the bouncer comes over and starts to lead me away and i am asked to leave the pub and I am now alone in the street on Dingle crying all because of how initially 
that guy behaved who put his hand up my skirt. So he is the perpetrator in this, but there are five levels of involvement here from men in the whole circle going on. There's the perpetrator, the one who started it all. There are the bystanders and also the encouragers of him, his friends who saw this happening, didn't step in to stop him and actually started to blame me and, and push me away. My friend who's supposed to be my ally who just did not want to get involved. That's the bit, that's the bit the that shocks easiest me, thing. That's the bit that yeah. shocks me. That he didn't, Absolutely. And the le- I mean, the least he could have said was, you leave her alone, you goal. That's the least uh, he could have done. The, 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 the very least, something, anything but... He didn't open his mouth. Was, ...was intimidated by, you know, the whole group of men that are there. And, you know, to, to, a, to a, a level, I understand that, but also... That, that's just how it went. And then the bouncer who wouldn't believe me, because I was saying to the bouncer, he's put his hands on me. He, this is what happened. This is what happened. And because I was so irate and, and emotional and everything, I, it looks like I was the one causing all the trouble and the bouncer didn't believe me. And there's probably as well people who might have seen this who aren't in, involved in the stag group, but all who are standing back. And, and so although... You know, people would say, well, I would never do that to a woman. I would never put my hand up and would be disgusted by that. Like genuinely would never, ever dream of doing something like that. But there are five levels of involvement there from men who allowed this to happen, saw me getting kicked out, saw me getting, saw their friend behaving like this and not one of them did the right thing. Mm. So I know that, you know, you might say I would never do that to a woman. Well, you've got plenty of opportunities around you to make sure that you play your part. And I think that for too long, men have said, I wouldn't do that and then just allow anyone else who decides to do it, carry on. But because you don't do it, you feel like you're exempt. No, it's it's time now to, to step in and man up and say that I... No, sorry, just cop on and take the side and believe the woman when she says. And, you know, if you, someone said to me, like, why didn't you report that? I'm like, well, I wanted to move on with my weekend and, and, and enjoy my time with my friends, which I just chose to kind of put it aside and forget about it and compartmentalize that. There's no way I, I don't feel, I really don't feel like that pub, if I went back to that pub the next day and told them, they wouldn't take it seriously. I have no confidence that that pub or that establishment that bouncer would be held accountable i have no i i never said anything again mm. i just left it and can that I, was the I, end of it and, and can mm-hmm. i ask you something are, are you still yes. now two things one please tell me that the guy you'd gone over to 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 say hello to at least followed you out into the street to see you all right and are you still friends with him yeah, we're still friends. Yeah, we never spoke about it again. Okay, so it's just parked. Parked. Because I, thankfully, um, I'm a very strong woman and a strong character and I have been able to not let that incident overshadow the weekend I was having with my friends. And also, um, I never brought it up with my friend again. And, and he is a genuinely good good friend, you know. Um, I never brought it up with him again because I just... I felt like I was the one at fault in the end of all that, you know, and I was just like, I just... And he didn't I, help. And the thing is, this story isn't unusual in any way. The only the only reason I'm telling this story is because of the number of levels of involvement yes. in this incident. Every single 
woman you know has a story like this. Every yeah. single one. Yeah. And if you don't, it's exceptional. And you are a very lucky person if you don't have a story like this. But I would say everybody I know has a story like that. Yeah. Well, Anna, that this conversation went down a whole different direction. And, and thank you for trusting me with that story and for trusting our listeners with that story. Yeah, um, that's okay. I'm, I'm happy to share it because I, you know, and, and, and to kind of move on from that, like, and we can tell these stories all day, every day. I actually, I would be willing to forget about the past if the forward, the, the, the future promises something more. Like, doesn't matter what happened yesterday. If we can change from tomorrow, yeah. that is, if we can change from today. And the thing is, you know, a lot of a lot of men out there, you know, and, and, and women like asking, okay, what do we do next? Where do we go from here? I am I've thought about this a lot. I think immediate, like immediate actions, I would suggest people if make time today to um number one, go and look at that tweet from Michael Healy Ray and look at the quote tweets about why this is so wrong on every level. The other thing I would um like suggest that people do is go, go onto the RTE player and watch the discussion um, that they had on Friday night on the Late Late Show um, in response to 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 this, what we're, we're talking about and, and Ashling Murphy's murder. And the other immediate thing that someone can do is bring this up with your female friends. Yeah. Do you feel like this when you go running? Have you ever had just talk about it even if you're the type of guy who would never dream of hurting a woman bring it up with the women in your life and ask them and have uncomfortable conversations because you will learn something and I think that long term I am I am I want to I have I feel so passionately about this it's so important to me I want to see change and like you know I'm talking about Michael Healy Ray like why doesn't he like go and work with the local GA clubs like I sport is such an integral part of my life I want to use the sporting communities that I know and I love and I have hundreds of male friends that play rugby play other sport I think this is the answer at least for me I think this is where I can start um so if there's anyone out there that you know feels like they would like to talk to me about this or support me or, or would like my support on this and let's talk about it like please get in touch with me I'm, 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 on, I'm on Twitter I'm on Instagram like get in touch with me I want to help make a change okay. because you know what I, being a woman in Ireland the last few years hasn't been it doesn't always remind you how, how wanted or welcome you are you know we've like had the response to you know the 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 cervical smear um, 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 controversy, yeah. um, mother and baby homes, the re- reaction and response to you know what people were saying about women around the repeal thing. Um, but Ireland has also made me very, very proud in the last few years. The response and reaction that we had to the gay marriage referendum and repeal the eighth, the actual hopeful movements that were there, and how we as a society have changed Ireland for the better in the past few years, actually, well, can we do it again? And I think that we can do it again. And I think that now is the time. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. No, you're okay. Anna, Anna. Thanks for giving me that, that, no. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to say that this morning. Uh, yeah, well, I'll tell you one thing we can do, Anna, and you're talking about people who 
might be willing to stand behind you and help or stand beside you and help. You've got our number. Anytime. <laughs> we'll always be here. All right, girl. Thank you. You look after yourself now. Thanks, Anna. Thanks, BJ. Take care. Take Bye-bye. Care. Take care. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96 FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's Entertainment. Mary Black will be back with her all-star band playing favourite songs from her immense back catalogue spanning 30 years. She'll be showcasing songs from her new album, Mary Black Orchestra. And the rescheduled show takes place at Cork Opera House on February 24th. Access all areas. Irish songwriter Paddy Dennehy released his debut album Little Light in 2020. And whether you're a newcomer to his music or a seasoned fan, Paddy never ceases to blow people away. Catch him performing with full band at Cypress Avenue this Friday evening. Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a show, play, exhibition or gig coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us here at AAA. 96fm.ie Access all areas Your guide to nightlife on side On Cork's 96FM Well that conversation with Anna went down a whole different direction and welcome to take it down that direction um, We had people saying one person texted in to say you know I'd feel safer if my son or my daughter could have mace with them going out and they'd feel safe but Anna's whole point is well why do we li- why do we accept living in a society where that is necessary that's kind of her point I'd feel so much better if my daughter or son went out with Mace as an extra protection that was one of the messages we got but the very fact that we live in a country and a society where that is even necessary is, is the problem and the idea that we start with sport, and she's so right, you know. I mean, when you think about think about the, the young parents that you know with young children. Saturday morning, soccer, rugby, GAA. You know, in the summertime, they'll be playing tennis. and the, They try every kind of a sport when they're, when they're young. Basketball, you name it, they'll try it. So that may be where you start the education of the young boys and the young girls, but particularly the young boys. Start on the sports field on the sports ground, in the sports hall. Start there. Get get them there. Get the values, as it were, into them there. I don't think Healy Ray was disrespecting Ashling or women in general. If it protects, why can't you carry one? Not all men are disrespectful, but the ones you do meet, why not have something to protect yourself? Mace, spray or alarms. Women have felt this way now for generations. Anna's story about what happened in the pub makes me so upset. But it really shows, even though not all men attack, they seem to be. They need to be involved when things like this go on. Well, what shocked me most was that the person that she went, who's still her friend, fair play, the person who she went over to, hadn't seen in a long time, was in this group and never said to the individual who came up and assaulted her, "Copy Savan." Never said, "Just copy Savan." You know, that's all it would have taken. I think she'd have been more reassured. If her friend had said, copy Savannah, you gobshite. That's all it would have taken, I think. Maybe I'm... Am I hearing it rightly? 
uh, on the housing and our conversation with Joanna. Trevor, I was listening to her, and sorry, I disagree. No shade on her, that's her view. I'm not political, but I think radio stations should put it up to Minister for Housing, Dara O'Brien, that did failed in your position throughout your term of office. Things are getting worse, not better. In fact, I think the same thing should be said about Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly. I'd like to hear what they have to say to this line of questioning. Trying and trying and failing and failing is not your job. You asked for the job and were given the job because we need solutions. No one is thinking outside the box, to use Minister Donnelly's phrase. phrase. Incremental policies won't work. We obviously need big canvas solutions, and that is their job. I'd like to see what they would say. Maybe I'm being too simplistic, but I have a big and direct interest in this, and trust me, I would listen to all the details of any argument that they put. Councillor Ted Tynan says a home is a human right and should be in the Constitution. And there should be a state construction company set up to do like what was done in the 40s and 50s, not the profit-driven market that we now have. Well, Ted, you and I would probably differ politically on many things, but I've often said this. The biggest mistake we made in this country, the biggest mistake we made, we made two. The biggest mistake we made in this country with public housing was we stopped building and then we stopped employing builders with the council. There was a time when a young lad would do an apprenticeship out of school. He'd apprentice as a carpenter or a plumber or a brickie or a spark. And then he'd go to work for the council. He might even do his apprenticeship with the council. And he'd work there till he retired, building and maintaining council houses. We built thousands of them. When we were broke, when we were burst, we built tens of thousands of council homes with council workers. Now, the first mistake we made was stopping that. And the second mistake we made was when we let people buy their council homes, which was a brilliant idea. We never built new ones. So, Ted, I'm with you on that one. We bought in 2006. It was to be a starter home. I got 300k finance on my own. No bother. 16 years on and three children. The house isn't fit for purpose. We've two stable jobs and we can't get a mortgage. So we can't move out of the starter home. I, I tell you something. I, I honestly look around me and I see the young people, I see my own my own kids, I see my brother's kids, my sister's kids, see them growing up into a world where God almighty, they will never be able to buy a flipping house. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. 96 FM has a shiny new phone number. 0818 96 96 96. Save it to your phone now. Save it to your phone now. 0818 96 96 96. The new number to call Hello? Corks 96 FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Lot of love in the room for Anna Kaplis after her a conversation with us there, which was meant to be about pepper spray and mace and Michael Healy Ray and all of that but just went down a whole different direction 
and uh, she I've just been listening to Anna I rang in to say we support you you were so passionate and expressed everything that needs to be said you hit the nail on the head Jerry says it was appalling what was done to her I think she should bring a case against the man that grabbed her backside she should call the others as witnesses I would fully support her in that Tony then raises another point. If you look at the walkways, you pathways and the whole area is covered in trees and shrubs. This obviously makes no sense in an area that women use for running and walking in solitude. It's a charter for perverts. The local authorities have to think about how this looks to a woman, how dangerous it is for a woman, and just get it right. Obviously, they were not thinking of women hassled by criminals when they set that up. And on Facebook, Liam says pepper spray was made, if pepper spray was made legal, then it could be worse for women as they could be disabled very quickly with it, which is a point that that was being made over the weekend. As I said, look, I come from a place of being very lucky here to go, be able to go around safely and, and never need things like, never even think about things like pepper spray. I didn't even know it was le- illegal. You know, maybe I'm a bit out of touch. Anyway. I've been accused of worse. 0818 96 96 96. We are going to be talking about the new Lido in Cork this hour. Your ideas, where you think it might be. Uh, There's now an actual physical search on for where there might be a good site. Starting as far down as the Angler's Rest, uh, right up into Black Rock Village. And that's actually where I'd love to put it, if we could, um, is in Black Rock Village. I'll tell you more in a minute. I have just been down there one day. That's months ago now. It's a nice day. I was sitting having a cup of coffee and looking out. And I thought, do you know what? That would be just the perfect place for a Lido or Lido. Call it what you will. It's like Vaz, Vaz or Vaz, whichever it is. Lido or Lido, whichever you choose to call it. More on that. Uh, in, in a while though 0818-96-96-96 if you've ever seen any video or looked at any coverage of the Montaigne Spine Race the what PJ? the Montaigne Spine Race in the UK like to even look at it to even read about it would leave me out of breath but guess what Mr. Corkman's only gone and won it. His name is Owen Keith, and he joins me. Hi, Owen. It's actually Ian, believe it or not, is despite it? the spelling, but there you go. <laughs> uh, all right, so is he okay? It's, so it's it's Ian spelled as Owen. All right, well, is he? <laughs> That's right. Uh, gotcha. Everyone in Cove knows that one. <laughs> all right. Ian, then, um, tell me about this thing. I mean, as I said, even reading about it and looking at pictures of it, I'm out of breath. But where where does it go from, and and what are the conditions involved? Well, it's the length of the Pennine Way uh, up up the spine of England, hence the name. Yeah. So it goes from between Manchester and Sheffield, roughly, uh, up to across the, uh, the Scottish borders. So it's about four hundred and thirty kilometres or so in length, with lots of goes through lots of national parks and hills along the way. Yeah. And they deliberately hold it uh, in the the first or second week of January to get the worst possible conditions, <laughs> just to make sure Africa's centre. You know, so, so it's basically a marathon. Day for ten days. 
No, it's non-stop. So it'd oh. be far more than a marathon in a day. So you just run the whole thing non-stop as quickly as you can. So uh, I'm not sure. That's that's about 10 marathons. So uh, And it tends to be one. You don't, you don't in, stop in and you don't rest. And you... Yeah, you do stop. The clock's on. So you try and minimize the stops, you know, to, to the absolute... Uh, the, the, as little as you can so you know some people do it for a little more leisurely and, and take longer stops but the likes of me trying to, to win the thing mm-hmm. try and keep the stops to an absolute minimum Yeah. now if you look at the place you go through and a couple of these places I've been to like the Peak District the Yorkshire Dales yeah. I mean beautiful places but like you said Yorkshire Dales in the middle of winter ugh <laughs> yeah, that's, that's basically it. Yeah. The good thing about Irish is you're you trade for bogs, you know, so we can handle that anyway. <laughs> right, so so you started you did a time of ninety two hours, forty two minutes and thirty seconds. Did you and and Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's it's hard going to say the least, yeah. And that that's at a pretty steady pace to say the least. So so tell me how you came to do this kind of thing. Uh, well, I suppose it goes way back when uh, I was uh, fell in with a bunch of people who were into hill walking, and they dragged me out hill walking in my my early teens, and that gradually grew into I met another bunch who were into hill running, and uh, joined them. And I was discovering that the longer I went for events, the more competitive I got. And unfortunately, I've yet to find the limits. So I'm doing these really long, really arduous things because that's where I'm at my most competitive. Right, right. And there's now you've a you've a double title here now because they do this in the summer as well, do they? They do. That's the more the more uh, leisurely version, I suppose, in the sense that uh, you don't have to deal with all the the rain, the wind, darkness, and so on. So there is a summer version, which is uh, more uh, direct fun, I suppose you'd call it. And yeah, I won the summer version uh, last year, which was oh, the first so you won this you won this thing twice in six months then. Yeah, two different versions. The winter one's considered the real race because it's a tough one. You know, you've got the everything is thrown at you in the winter race. Like <coughs> did, across but, yeah. those ninety-two hours and forty-two minutes, what did you experience? Um, you're running on stone slabs, which are occasionally covered in ice. You know, uh, you're running across the open mountains. We actually had a full blue sky sunshine day, which was most unusual in the spine race. Quite often the race gets named after the worst weather, like the windy year or the snowy year. or the You know, we had storms last year, named storms. So you always get a bit of everything. But uh, this year was relatively You'd fine. run during a storm, like? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Last year we, we I, or two years ago more accurately it was cancelled last year uh, we had uh, Storm Brendan in the middle of it which was driving the rain sideways into us as we were heading for oh, Tan Hill Inn which is Britain's highest pub I remember arriving into the pub just thinking I'm putting every bit of gear I have on when I'm leaving here you know because it was extreme <laughs> <laughs> hang on Storm I remember Storm Brendan I got in out of it closed the door and lit the fire and you were running on a mountain yeah yeah, we were running. We were running in the middle of the in the middle of the race at that stage, and yeah, uh, just took a half hour break to put all the clothes on and warm up a little, and headed back out into it again in the worst of the bogs as it happens. <laughs> yeah, I, and and I put this. I'm sorry now, but if I'm in the middle of that and I find a pub, I ain't leaving. <laughs> yeah, well, well, that's where it takes the mental toughness. You actually go in, and you say, "I'm not going near the fire. I'm not going near the fire." You know, and I'm not getting too comfortable because I'll never get back out again. Is that you the know, pub I saying, read about that got completely cut off recently? 
That's the one. That's oh the one. God. Yeah, people got trapped in for two or three days. This is a lovely place, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say it is. So, how far ahead of second place were you? Uh, about two or three hours, uh, and I'd been running with them quite a bit. There was joint second, and I, I was I was running with them quite a bit earlier in the race, but. Uh, there was always a bit of back and forth. We were within sight of each other for a day or two, actually, like right. literally within sight. But uh, I just managed to get a bit of the gap in them in the last, uh, last 24, 36 hours, kind of, and, and get far, far enough in front. But it was actually it was people in front of me who were dropping out because uh, um, at one stage I was in fifth or sixth, but uh, a lot of the leaders were dropping out because they were picking up injuries or running themselves into exhaustion and various things. So mm. it's it's kind of like the tortoise and the hare. You know, it's not just who's fastest because I wasn't fastest, but who can who can last the whole thing right. and get there in the end uh, that's fastest. So they were asking me coming in. How do you train for are, something like this? Uh, I I go I live near the the hills, so I go out and I do I run in the hills quite often, and you know I do I do like we consider very heavy marathon training is is what it looks like, plus a bit bit of cycling thrown in as well. So just a general uh, fitness lifestyle, and but that's that's part of the enjoyment because I, I really enjoy going out running in the hills, and you know and I, I take part in the local hill races here. We have a great run hill running scene in Ireland, and. There's a great one in Munster, indeed. You know, the, 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 with a great community going out, uh, organising hill races, and uh, you know, being part of that, it's it's really good. And uh, yeah, that that's that's so a what's, lot. Of what's it, the yeah. next What's the next plan for you then? Uh, well, I have another race in April, which actually goes across England, which is called the Northern Traverse, and it runs from coast to coast. Uh, and uh, that hasn't been on in two or three years again because of COVID. But uh, I, I won the last edition of that, so I'll be going back to try and win that one again. And that goes coast but to that's coast. That's one That's just... coast to coast. Yeah, it's a bit shorter, but it's uh, it's it's a lovely one as well because it hits Lake District again and Peak District and. Uh, Yorkshire Dales, so <laughs> nice. You're getting very familiar with that pub. It <laughs> <laughs> goes close enough, doesn't quite go into it, but just about over the horizon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 there's, that, there's that lunatic from Cove again. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, listen, Ian, congratulations on all the wins and good luck for the future. Uh, and Thank you very you're, much. You're, much you're, you're, you are, they say, as they say, a hardy man. <laughs> No, thanks very much. <laughs> Cheers. Timmy Murphy's in Colby says, congratulations, epic adventure, an amazing guy. Lovely fellow too. That's Owen. Ian, spelt like Owen, but Ian Keith, winner of the Montaigne Spine Race in the UK, the summer one and now the winter one. And he's heading off coast to coast in April. Anyone that, the last time I was on as well. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's tough. It's tough and there's tough. 0818 96 96 96 Actually, I saw one of those guys in training one time Just as a completely side issue I was in Santa Panza on my holidays And if you've ever been to Santa Panza You'll know that in the middle of it Up there by a pub called McTavish's And Sam's and a few more places like that There's a massive set of steps It's like 180 or 190 steps To get up there Where an awful lot of the apartment blocks are up those steps And if you've ever climbed them You wonder, did did I really know I was going on a mountaineering holiday I was sitting having a pint in Sam's One afternoon Waiting for the missus She was kind of doing a bit of shopping The kids were with her And I was watching this guy Run up and down those steps 
Now, if you're in, if you've ever been to Santa Pons, you know the steps I'm talking about. And I watched as I as I drank my pint and enjoyed the sunshine. I watched this lunatic go up and down those steps twelve times. I thought, sure. I did it twelve times in the whole week we were there, and it nearly killed me. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Question number nine. What is the main ingredient in guacamole? Avocado. And boat race is cockney rhyming slang for what? Quickly. Face. You're saying face? Yeah. Paul O'Connor. I hope you're going to put a smile on your boat race because you just won two thousand. I believe it. That's a little bit of pressure taken off for January, I hope, Paul. Oh, Jesus, it is. Bloody hell. Stacking up the cash. 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 The two grand minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day on Casey and Ross in the morning. Courts 96 FM. Yeah, um, Kate was on Facebook and she said, my daughter had an experience when she was only eight cycling her bike around the park an older child in his teens exposed himself to her. I repeat, she was eight. Yeah. Ugh. You wonder where the older child learned about doing that. What are they watching? And there's no blame to the parents. Like, what are they watching? What are they able to access? And you know, this is the thing that comes up quite frequently when they say, how old should your child be when you give them a mobile phone? or a smartphone, to which my answer would be as old as you can possibly get away with. If you Don't give them a phone until you absolutely have no other choice in the world but to give them the damn thing. Because you are giving them access to God knows what. 0818 96 96 96 Where... In that kind of time of the year in January where we're putting all the Christmas stuff away, we rest again over the weekend at home, putting all the stuff away up into the attic and rearranging it for next year. And we're kind of changing the house. You know yourself, you're tidying it up and you're getting it ready for the spring and ready for the new year. And you rearrange the furniture and you bring back, you know. Do you ever think about changing the smells around your your home? And using aromatherapy in your home. I would not have thought it was a thing, but a thing it is indeed. Socorro Egan, I hope I have the name right, from Amazonas Aromatherapy joins me. I hope the name is right. Socorro, good morning. Good morning, PJ. So, aromatherapy in the home. Yes. How, how, how would you go about doing that? Well, first of all, why do you do that? How can you do that? You can choose the oil of your choice and you can burn the oil in a, an oil burner, uh, pour some uh, hot uh, water on the burner and a candle underneath and put the oil of your choice. In my case, I like burning lemongrass that creates a, an uplo- uplifting atmosphere around the house 
and it's relaxing, distressing. Mm-hmm. But this choice is yours, like to know you choose the oil that you like. I like lemongrass. Mm-hmm. And they affect our moods, these oils, don't they? They do, they do indeed. They not not only refresh the house, but it's very good for the moods, you know, if you're feeling a bit low. Like you can burn like a grapefruit, for, for example, yeah? Mm. And while you're inhaling it, you create a, a sense of happiness. Mm. And you also can use on showers or baths, put on the, the bed, on the pillow. Uh-huh. And... And while you're inhaling it, it's working in your senses. Okay. And what would you put in a lot of people working from home now? Um, what would you put in that in the office space at home here? Basil. Basil, it's a brilliant oil to alert the mind and brightens and is good for the memory. And uh, But also, like, you know, I use basil during the day. During the night, it keeps you awake because it's a... Uh, to alert for the mind. Right. Okay. But you can use lavender at night because lavender is very relaxing. Yeah. I was just going to ask you about that. People, So I think this time of the year, some people have difficulty sleeping. Um, yes. What would yes. you use and to help lav- you to sleep? Lavender would be very good to put a couple of drops on the pillow or in a hanky, you know, you can put on the bedside there on the pillow and while you're inhaling it, it's calming your mind and uh, aids the sleep. And chamomile, chamomile is another good one to use. <laughs> but I use uh, mainly lavender and everybody is uh, familiar with lavender oil. Okay. And and do you need to burn it? I see these little things, uh, Sokoro, where you have got some sticks. Like the, and, and, and these sticks. Yeah, stick the diffuser. In. Yeah. Are they, do they yeah, have the same effect? They don't have the same effect unless if they made from essential oils, yeah, because some of them are synthetics, just smell nice, but they don't have the same effect on nice. the, the mind, yeah. Okay. So it's good, it's good to use uh, the, the pure oil. Like I, for example, I, I get the bottle and I put a bit of alcohol and a bit of water and then I choose the oil that I need and I make my own diffuser and that is good. I see. Yeah. I see. And when you say so, burn it, do you need a special kind of device to burn a, it in? It's an oil burner. I think most people know about the oil burner that you pour water on top, mm-hmm. a night candle underneath, underneath and uh, then you put about a few drops, like uh, I use about 10 drops because I like it to be strong. Mm-hmm. But some people, if they don't like the strong smell, they can use two to three, four drops. Mm-hmm. And and that would be nice and subtle. Right. And how long will it last for then, the burner? Is it depending on how much you put into it? Uh, PJ, they, uh, you have to be topping up. Like in my clinic, I use uh, lemongrass, yeah. and I use about 10, 10 drops of lemongrass in the morning. But then when comes the afternoon, I top up with more water and put another few drops just to make it stronger, to linger. Okay. 
Lastly, um, Socorro, one of the places, particularly now that a lot of us have big open space kitchens and dining rooms, and we tend to spend a lot of time in our kitchen dining space, anything that you could burn in there for a good atmosphere? Well, in the kitchen, I always choose to, to burn the lemongrass, but also I can use like a couple of drops of lemon in, in a damp cloth and I wipe the surface and that uh, the smell of the lemon stays uh, on the air. Yeah? Good. That's nice. Yeah. Okay. All right. And like for around the Christmas time, I, I prefer to burn like a cinnamon and orange and that cre- creates the Christmas atmosphere. Yes, it does. And it's, it's lovely for the senses, you know, sure. and everybody seems to like it. Sure. It's very, it's very welcoming. It's very warming. Yeah. Very welcoming and warming. Yes. So the winter, for the winter time, it's a warming oil that appeals to everybody. Okay. All right. Listen. Lovely talking to you, Socorro Egan from Amazonas Aromatherapy in Cork. Burn some aromatherapy oil in the various rooms of your house, or use diffusers with natural oils in them, just to put a. I don't know, change the atmosphere in the house. The lemongrass, we've, actually we've done the lemongrass at home and, and the missus is w- well into these diffusers and she only buys the ones with the, with the real oil in them. And they're great. They really are. They're, they're, it's just a, a lovely smell around the place and it's, it's very relaxing. Aromatherapy in the house. Whoever thought we'd be talking about that on a Monday? <laughs> oh, 0818. 96, 96, 96. Come here, I don't know if you've got a new smartphone or a new smart speaker or whatever for Christmas, but there's an app you need to have if you did, and that is the Corks 96 FM app. And you can listen to us or to the other streams, the HitMix, the FitMix, any of that. And if you've got a smart speaker, be it an, an, an Alexa or be it a Google or whatever, you just ask it to play Corks 96 FM. And that is so easy. I, I always whisper, because I don't want to be affecting everyone's smart speaker. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, ask it to play Cork's 96FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. On Cork's 96FM. Just laughing at that Argos ad there. Someone asked me over the weekend, what's the tune on the Argos ad? The tune on the Argos ad, if you're wondering what it is, it's called Live is Life by Opus. And it was a hit... 1924 years ago and it's back now and people are looking for it on Spotify and Shazam and all those places it's called if you're wondering what it is uh, Live is Life by Opus I think it was a hit about oh, Christ I won't even tell you because it made me feel it oh stop 0818 96 96 96 so where would I think would be the great place for Cork's new Lido stroke Lido I'll tell you in a minute but Niall Kenny is the man we first spoke to about it. I'd say it's nearly a year ago, Niall, is it? Good morning. Morning, PJ. Yes, I'd say almost a year. So Happy New Year to you. And to you, sir. So the, the, there's a very, very long distance between along where they might put it. So starting at the Angler's Rest, right out to Blackrock Village. Have you a preference yourself? 
I suppose for the greater scheme of things, personally, I like to leave fields myself. Two reasons I actually live out that side, and it would be a lovely nod to the old Lee Bats being out that way as well. Yeah. But being realistic, there was, I would have two preferences based on the different style of Lido's available. I'd say if we were sticking to the river, I think Kennedy Key would be a lovely oh, yeah. place to start. Um, one, it's very central. It's got all the new bike cycle lanes in. It's got bus access. It's got parking. And you haven't, thanks to O'Callaghan property, we'll have another 20,000 people in, in the city. So making it part of the 15, that whole 15-minute city idea means it's very accessible for everybody. And with the new tramway and bus bridge coming across there, I think, I mean, you'd have a bus stop there, a tram stop. Yeah. Covers okay. both sides of the city. Since you and I first spoke, I did things like Google Lido's around the world. And there's some fabulous facilities. Oh, stunning. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. I keep posting a few of them just to tease a few. <laughs> yeah. And tease them on would you envisage that this, like, look, I mean, uh, outdoor swimming, except for the very hardy few like yourself, Niall, you know, outdoor swimming is kind of a, a 12-week season for most of, a, most of us mere mortals. I but know, would, would you I, hate I, it? I, I beg to... I, Big to differ on that because I like that. I mean, I went for a swim yesterday in Martigo. Oh God! <laughs> it was like it was like it was like a summer's day in relation to they were parking right up the hill, up towards the shop. If you if you know that hill, yeah, that do. comes down to towards Bunnies. I know it very well. Both sides of both sides of the road, all the way up past the shop. Swimming it was jammed yesterday at ten o'clock yesterday morning, and I, I mean, the temperature of the water is nine degrees, <laughs> and there was no no shortage of bodies going in there and out all day long. So. Um, I would feel a light on the river is, is an absolute all-year-round prospect and not just for the Hardys. Yeah, well, there seems to be an awful lot more Hardys than there was before. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that, that's that sort of helped our cases. That pan, the whole pandemic in the last two years has shown, look, we need something. When they started closing the gyms and the other the standard pools, yeah. that something had to give. And yeah. so people were taken to the open water. And the great thing is it wasn't just a fad. They are actually sticking at it. They are going through right through the winter and it's something that is going to stay. And I think we need a light on the city to, to keep that enthusiasm going and also bring in those who aren't so well versed in swimming, even the young people or the elders, so they feel safe and then you cover all ages. Yes, and the, the, some of the facilities, I mean, Kevin has just posted a picture on, on, on Twitter of one they did in Bristol and it's a massive yeah. attraction now. And it looks just fantastic. There's a restaurant and a bar and lovely facilities around it. So it's it's really now it's gone from sort of a notion to an idea. Next step is a plan. So so what are we looking at now? Well, at the moment we've actually we're, uh, we have Cork City Council are one of our lead sponsors now. So we are actually formalised as a proper um, non-profit organisation for Lido Cork. We have Cork City Council as our, our lead sponsors, and we have brought on. Um, Maliki Walsh partnership as our engineering firm to do a feasibility study at the mo- so they're starting at the end of this month right. to, hi- to, uh, to locate possible sites to build and then we then we go then to um, planning of what fits that site best that will cover everything that we require as in your public seating, your picnic areas your, yeah. the full 50 metre pool the whole lot yeah, 50 metre pool. I mean, if a site were to be identified as as, as feasible, mm-hmm. how 
quickly could we actually go from chosen site to, to jumping in for a dip? That depends on how much money we have. <laughs> how, much, how much will it cost? Uh, it, it, again, it's a lot of pieces. It depends on the site. It depends on what you want to offer, whether you're going land-based or river-based. If you're going um, and what services you're offering alongside, whether it's diving boards, the whole shooting gallery, saunas, and the whole lot. You could go, I mean, realistically, anything between two and a half to ten million. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of one... Which, which, is, a far, which is far shorter than, say, if you were building another... Um, Aqua Park, Bertie Ball, should I call it? That's true, yeah, yeah. People are even saying Tremor Valley Park and do it away from the river. I was in one one time, you may be familiar with it or not, there's one in Lausanne. It's on the shores of Lake Geneva, but it's a huge complex. Like, you can can go and swim in the lake if you want to, but this is maybe 20 yards back from the lake. It's fabulous. Well, you don't even have to go that far. I mean, if you go into London, they have um, the... What's it? The Bexel, the Bexelido is a 90 meter pool. Yeah, a 90 in the middle of pool. And sure. if, if you look at my, if you look at my last post on our Lido Corp Twitter page, I have one showing of one from Frankfurt. Yeah, which is, uh, I mean, one that I, I actually posted thinking that it would be ideal for Tremor Valley Park. Yeah. It's got like a proper swimming pool, then it's got a. a non-swimmers pool so kiddie area sunbathing yeah. area play area football pitches basketball court tennis court I mean this is I mean if you look at the picture it's just stunning yeah. there's a Lido. huge one as well my, 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 my daughter was very taken when she was on holidays there a huge one in Vancouver it's enormous they're but all over nearly the every, 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 even uh, yeah every decent city has one but, uh, say Boston has six of them Copenhagen has six of them Paris has already got a, a huge one that's gone in that they were only trialling and they've decided to keep um, just on one of the canals feeding the Seine so yeah. um, every I mean if you can go as far as Helsinki have them and, and that's Baltic cold pardon <laughs> me but so there's no reason why us down so far south can't have something equally as impressive all right, listen, lovely talking to you, Niall, as always. And we'll keep, we'll keep an interest in this one because I personally would love to see it. Um, thank you very much, Niall Kenny. So where would I like to see it? Um, do you know when you go down into Blackrock Village where the Scout Hall is or was and where Wiggy's Chipper used to be, there's a lovely little cafe there now. And right in front of that is what used to be the Old Harbour. Now, that was once a, once a fishing fishing harbour. Um, I'm not too sure if it's used for anything right now, but the steps lead down to it. You can sit in the steps, drink a coffee. On a summer's day, it's just beautiful. What about putting it there? What about using that harbour space as your Lido? Like, how cool would that be? 0818 96 96 96. George says, you asked the right, the right question. How long would it take? We still have no convention centre. That would generate a lot of money for the city. I hate to say, but maybe we should concentrate on that first so we can afford more good things. Billy says, I'd love to see a Lido or Baths back on the Lee side. Lee Fields would be perfect, as close as possible to the old one. Got this earlier on. I forgot to read it. My apologies. It was said in the news there's concerns around staffing at nursing homes. I did hear that. I rang to make an appointment to visit my mom at the weekend for next week, as we have had to do that for the last year. And actually, only one visit per family has been allowed for the last two weeks due to high COVID numbers. 
We were told yesterday we don't need any appointments anymore. We can go in as we please. Deep, deeply concerned now that COVID will rip through homes again if restrictions and thought and care are eliminated. That's from Rachel. Is that the case? Have have I know that Marymount has visiting restrictions at the moment. At least I was told that last week that they have visiting restrictions at the moment. And I'm sure it varies from nursing home to nursing home what the situation is. But if anyone else has any experience to add, then great. Um, just some stuff held over on Ashling Murphy. Uh, Carla says, what was done at the weekend was phenomenal. And a big word of thanks to all the people who arranged vigils. The type of solutions we're hearing a lot of over the weekend are only part of the solution. There are three types of people. Young people in schools, especially primary schools, there's a hope of reaching them with a message of respect for others. There are possibly adults who dropped out of the system or were led the wrong way. But there's no talk of people who've been brought up the right way and have deliberately rejected the message. When you look at court cases, you often see the poor heartbroken family saying they did everything to make the criminals see they were going the wrong way. Some people just reject it. Forgive me, says this call. Some people just need the cat and nine tails. And this is on WhatsApp. There's a bit of this going around social as well at the weekend. Um, I grew up in a time where men were treated like some kind of gods. And we call it the Irish Mammy Syndrome. This has got to change the ethos of my son, my son. It contributes to some men's ideal of women being lesser than them. Somebody was saying on Twitter over the weekend as well about, you know, women who still cook a dinner for their sons and they're part of the problem. Like that, I'm sorry, that's utter BS, if you ask me. Um, I'm well past the age of caring now, but my mother would still loves to put a dinner in front of me and I absolutely still love to have it. And that doesn't make me pampered. The same woman would cut me two legs off of the knees if she thought of that and like that. So she would. Morning, ma'am. 0818 96 96 96. Today's Blue Monday, right? Can we do it again? Can we do it again? Yeah. Today is Blue Monday. And it's the day that a lot of people break their New Year's resolutions. Uh, oh, they do. Oh, break them? <laughs> They're gone. They're long gone. I don't even know what mine was. And this is only the 86th of January. But it is the day that a lot of people break the New Year resolution. Um, and our reporter, Maureen Tuig, has been out and about asking people about those resolutions. Because I've been talking to a coach just after this to see how we might go about maybe maybe hold on, holding on to them a little longer. Kate. And Kate, do you have any New Year's resolutions? I think I'm going to finally uh, start driving, hopefully, at 26 and stop having to get the bus. And... Just hopefully stay away from any toxic boyfriends, ex-boyfriends. I love it. And do you find resolutions? Do you need to stick to our Well, I've never stopped to one yet. So hopefully this is it. My New Year's resolution is to do a New Year's resolution this year and get my license, yeah. Tommy. Oh, yeah, sorry. Drinking less, exercising more, and stopping involved with narcissistic people. And are you going to stick to that New Year's resolution? Oh, yeah, I'm, I have first willpower, very good brain power. I have no New Year's resolutions. <laughs> every, every day is a New Year. Uh, Sally. No, I don't really know. And did you ever have them before? Um, I might have had like a few, would have been like, oh, I don't know, study more or, I don't know, do something more than just study or stuff like that. So 
I don't know, that's about it really. Uh, Dara, I have no resolutions anyway. I never managed to stuck to them, so I just gave up making them. <laughs> I think there's a lot of people like Dara at the end. I only ever kept one New Year's resolution, and that was the one where I gave up sugar in my coffee. I did that, God, it's more years ago now than I care to remember. Only one they have managed to stick to. Michelle O'Connor's a coach and says we should all make goals and that that would help. Hi, Michelle. Hi, PJ. How are you doing? Good. Setting goals. What? How do you mean setting goals? What? What is a goal? Stupid question. Um, no, not at all. Not a, not a silly question at all. You know, I think, you know, human beings are goal-oriented organisms, which means that we like, uh, we are creatures of habit. So human behavior has shown us that there's like a continual process of us always moving and engaging towards something and away from something. So moving towards and away from, from mental goals and representations of these goals. So it's really, really common. Research has shown us that, you know, as you say here, Blue Monday, in week two and week three, we start to kind of kilter off off our plans or, or our, you know, our uh, inhibitions to, to, to meet a, a new habit or a new skill. And the one thing that we have to do in this process is we have to kind of look at the goal setting process. We have to look at our structures and how we come to these. Like when you when you had Kate on the line there, or when you had Tommy and you interviewed them, you know, even in how they spoke about a specific goal, you know, their wording was quite minimal. I want to go driving. I want to learn new driving. But we have to set out a plan, a structure. We have to compose the plan. We have to write it down. We have to define our objectives. And we have to break down this plan into steps and then we can then we can take action uh, to make our dream a reality. Uh, so when we do this, we start to engage our, our thinking processes. And this is really, really key here. Mm. So when we talk about willpower, and this is something that we need when we are in the goal setting process, you know, willpower originates from our prefrontal cortex, which is our thinking brain. But as we hit week two or week three, you know, this willpower starts to get depleted. And the one thing that keeps us accountable is our goals. So this is why they are so influential. Uh, when when you interview people there, you looked at habits. A lot of people actually don't realize is that we don't actually understand how habits are structured or how they lever us. Um, and you're always being tempted back to old habits or things that we like. Human beings are built for conformity. We like the norm, we like routines, we like structures. So we don't like going outside the remits of that. So when we have a plan or something in place, this is our little our little notebook that we can come back to and it keeps us accountable on our road to success. Mm. I was mentioning that the only resolution I can ever remember that actually worked for me was giving mm-hmm. up coffee, giving up sugar in my coffee because I drink an awful lot of coffee and if I was putting sugar in every cup, I'd be the size of a small house and yeah. and probably very unhealthy with it. It was the hardest thing I think I've ever done in terms of my diet was giving yeah. up sugar in my coffee. But I stuck with it and like you said, I said another morning and another morning and another morning. And, yeah, if, and exactly. now, now if you gave me sugar in my coffee, I'd give it back to you. Can't drink that. But that took an awful yeah. long time. Yeah, it does. And that's the thing, PJ, with any new like habit or skill, you know, we can only do this is when when we condition it like through frequent repetition and the execution of the same act over and over again. So when you talk about, you know, getting up every morning and doing this continuously, that's how you start to form a habit. You know, it's it's pushing yourself outside of your norm and we start to engage in a process of less mental friction. You know, you're not you're not meeting that resistance against the new habit, against that conformity. 
you know so that's what you did by by doing doing what you did in, in the morning say yeah. for, for your coffee or for your sugar well one thing that helped with me was you know I, it's just I, I, I don't start my day I can start my day without coffee it's just a thing but yeah. I don't have to or it's not part of my day to do other things so making a habit out of not putting the sugar in the coffee was relatively easy but making a habit out of something you don't normally do, how do you set yourself up for that? Well, there's a multitude of different steps that you can do here. And I think if, if, if any of your listeners are listening, a, a really good book by Charles Duhigg, you know, The Power of Habit, is really, really effective. And what it does, it looks at like a, a, a three-step process called the habit loop. And basically, the, the three steps are, step one is, is setting up cues and triggers in your day. You know, when we talk about cues and triggers, you draw your attention to a specific new behavior or mm. a specific new skill. Mm. Um, we as human beings, you know, when we impose a specific limitation on an act, uh, we are automatically drawn to that limitation. We like to fixate or orientate towards that. So if I said to you, PJ, right now in this moment in time, I don't want you to think about the pink elephant. Whatever you do, do not think about the pink elephant. What are you thinking about right now? The pink elephant. The pink elephant. So in order to kind of catch that, you know, it's like you're going for the dairy milk or the Pringles box when you're watching EastEnders or a Man United game. We have to set up cues and we have to set up triggers in order to pull our attention away. So that's one step that's really, really key. Then the next step is kind of to take the action. So the action is really important here. Research has shown us that subordinate goals, so these are small goals, are more effective uh, in, a, in the goal setting process. Right. While we do have to have the bigger picture in place, you know, your peak mountaintop or the outcome goal, that bigger picture, we have to set up subordinate goals, the small goals. They are yes. more attainable and, the, and, and they're more effective in order to us to get to our place. And is that Remember, along the line, say, Michelle, that if, I, if someone says, right, I'm going to walk two kilometres every single day, is it better yes. to say I'm going to walk two kilometres every day this week than say every day for the rest of the year? Yes, wording is really, really important here, PJ, because if I say something like, you know, I want to get fit this year, in theory, that's fantastic and your intention is great. But why not set, you know, I want to get fit this year by walking every day, uh, the two kilometres or, you know, going to the gym Monday, Friday, uh, Saturday. You know, and, and setting time aside and then going to the specifics, go into the details, define your objectives. I think that's really, really important here when we talk about goals is you have to define your objectives. Go to the nitty gritty. It's not just enough to say, I'll go for my 2km today. Today, I will go for my 2km walk on my lunch break at 12 o'clock. If I am feeling better today, I will also go for another 500 metre walk. Gotcha. We have to put adding, more context to what we're doing. Exactly, exactly, that's it. And then the third part, third step of that habit loop we talk about is reward. I think that's really, really important here is we have to tap into the, the reward system. You know, when we talked about those most addictive and destructive habits, yeah. they have been inbuilt in us because they give uh, off a reward. They're, they're part of our reward system. It's because they require little to no input from us. So it's important that we do reward ourselves. You know, if you do go to the gym, you know, make sure afterwards you do have maybe your two pieces of dark chocolate yeah. or you go home and you have your cup of tea. Do something to say, do you know what? I'm actually going to pat myself on the back here. Allow yourself allow yourself today. to say, well done you. Listen, we're out of time, Michelle, but thank you for that. That's Michelle O'Connor. You'll find her on Instagram as the performance psych. Uh, that's it for today. The program edited. Thank you, Michelle. The program edited by Fiona Corcoran, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. We'll see you tomorrow, just after nine. Can we just talk? The opinion line on Corks 96 FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. 
the number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, Autobotulinum Toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.